we're going to go to three, a two, and a one. The word is going to be oh, no. We, we we run the show. This is not your podcast. Yeah, this isn't oh, this week in podcast. Jeez. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Go on. Then. So, uh, Japanese tourist, founder of the very well-known sports car racing website Sports Car Three Sixty Six. And the man who killed my favorite bus line, <laughs> Graham Goodwin. If you could describe this dinner we just had in one word, what would it be? Rootmaster. Rootmaster. Yeah, bus. they're my favorite Your bus. Your favorite bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Welcome to Dinner with Racers. Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley. I'm Sean Heckman. And we are sitting here enjoying a lovely meal at your home right after coming off a big road trip where we got a lot of content made for you guys. Now, normally we would do the hosting from inside the car, but we thought, let's get out of the car. We've been in the car too much doing all sorts of crazy stuff. In fact, we've been in the car so much that if you tracked our mileage, we think we would have gone to the moon and back based on nothing whatsoever. Just assumption. Yes. Which pretty much works in our sport. Mm -hmm. We are the of just faking everything we do. <laughs> You're getting angrier as this goes on. So we just got done driving all over the country making all sorts of shows. We have podcasts. We have our streaming series. We'll talk about it in a second. But first, let's talk about Graham Goodwin. Graham's been in the sport for a long time. He's more known as the guy behind DailySportsCar.com. He's been a part of several different websites, but he is a stalwart of sports car racing. He does commentary, he does journalism, and he's just a lovely guy. So Graham is a staple of specifically of the sports car scene. That's how you know uh, DailySportsCar.com is his deal. Uh, this Week in Sports Cars, the podcast. When it comes to somebody who knows his way around the paddock and tells a good story, I would definitively argue that Graham Goodwin is the absolute best sports car journalist out there. Really? Yeah. Okay. When it comes to you, He's you the know best. sports car, you like sports I car? I love sports you car. You like journalism? I do. Graham Goodwin. That's it. 100%. Done and done. I can think of no one else. There is no one left. Graham Goodwin is the sports car journalist. Graham has a former career being a press officer for the British government, so he had some amazing stories that we talked about that we didn't even know existed when it came to that stuff. His history is very interesting, and he's very well-spoken about it, and very passionate, too. But some of the other things that he's known for is having the absolute best sports car racing website. So when it comes to a sports car-based website, yes. you're arguing that Graham has the best one. There's no argument. Uh, there, that's I'm not. I'm yeah. not disagreeing with yeah. you whatsoever. We also fix sports car racing. Again, during the Daytona 24-hour week, we were able to get a couple of people that were staying from the Roar over for the 24-hour. And we looked at our schedule. We saw Graham was available. And we thought, oh, man, we got to get him. Absolutely. And we were able to get him thanks to the Peach Valley Cafe. I think I had a waffle. And I had a chicken sandwich. For breakfast. I did, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, with maple syrup. Yeah. <laughs> well, it might not be that bad, actually. Yeah, yeah, I try it. Yeah, yeah. I try it. Of course, to get to the Peach Valley Cafe, right. one must drive a vehicle. Yeah. Now, we are blessed to have an Acura MDS. Blessed. But you know what we were also blessed to have with? Mr. Rene Rast. Rene Rast drove us there. We're not stopping. We're making really good time here. Sure. Now, of course, we couldn't have gotten there if it wasn't for the Acura MDX that was provided by your people. <laughs> My peeps at Acura. But more importantly for both of us, yes. we're four amazing tires. They well, don't just make tires. No. They also make hoses. Shoes. They make shoe soles. Belts. Rubberiness is next to godliness. That's is that what right? I think. Is that yeah. their new motto? That is. <laughs> yeah. I, that we just marketed. We just made that happen. We just marketed the f*** out of this. That's right. So... 
While we're talking about Continental Tire, Sean, uh, what does Continental Tire made happen for us? They uh, well, they made a television show happen. Mm-hmm. They did it all. <laughs> they did it all. They're sitting there at late night editing. Production company. They were instrumental yeah. in making our current TV show happen, which is on Motor Trend. That's right. You can go to YouTube dot com forward slash motor trend watch we've got all sorts of cool stuff up there whether it's iRacing leagues we have our tv streaming series we have some podcasts up there just look us up dinner with racers on youtube but continue to support continental the way you have because it is allowing us to make more shows and get our streaming series on motor trend and that's all thanks to you guys the fans so we can't do it without you okay well sean didn't make me do it so i'll do it myself continental tire yeah do it <laughs> i did it all right graham goodwin hey, hey ryan sean Ryan, Sean, Ryan, I'm over here. Sean, oh yeah, Sean, yeah. Sean. hey, yeah, turn the light on. Fans should comment on the Motor Trend YouTube stuff. Agreed. Cool. Meow. All right, we're gonna start in five, four, three, two. Hey, look at this oh, guy. There it is. <laughs> Early. 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 Good to see you. Okay. What's going on? Oh, you're so Sean. You busy? Sir. Yeah. You- you involved in something at the moment? You. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we, yeah. Have this, we have this uh, meal we're doing. Yeah, we're doing English a podcast. Guy. Yeah, we're going to put you right there in the middle. Are we into it already? Oh, yes. God, that's fantastic. Yeah, that was, we heard all of that. Yeah. Is, that is that tea? Yeah. No, it's a little coffee. Okay. And coffee. cocaine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, we learned last night that Oliver Jarvis. Yeah, did you know Oliver Jarvis is selling? Um, He's a drug dealer. Yeah, is he again? Again? Yeah. Yeah, I thought, back, I thought on, I got back on the sauce. That's so With bad. Sauce. He was telling us I about saw. some caffeine that that like actual like liquid caffeine yeah. extract, I guess. That yeah. Marino Franchitti was bringing to the track, and these little vials. So Fr- Franchitti's involved as well. Yes, yeah. exactly. It sounds like he's the ringleader. It's to right. me. That's as, just... as he was explaining more and more of it to us, he's like, "Well, no, like cyclists take it." We're like, "This is doping. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, not helping works. your case." So yeah. cyclists take it is supposed to be. That's the validation. Good legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't think you, you understand what you're doing right now, man. Like, you're gonna get drug tested every race next year. Oh dear yeah. me! Yeah. yeah, nice kid. Uh, anyway, how are you? We're good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, it's yeah. it, it is so so nice to be back. I mean, the last time I was in the states was for the Rolex two years ago. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. So yeah. we've been traveling in Europe and a little further beyond, yeah. but but rather less than we otherwise would. Right. So this is the first time I crossed the pond for two years. Yeah. yeah. Remarkably, it only occurred to me. A week ago, someone sent me a picture of the Rolex in 2002, which was my yeah. first Yeah, because this is your 20th well, year. You and I have a couple yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. And that is the 20th anniversary yeah. event. In fact, I think I'm right. We, we covered the event without the website ready. We actually backloaded it. Right. So this was the first event for Daily Sports Car 20 years ago. And it's, um, oh, God, it's been a ride. Yeah. My God, we've yeah. seen some stuff. But no, I mean, coming back, it's... You're open, which is not like most of the country. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we right. just yeah. Yeah. Let me stop you there. <laughs> <laughs> Florida is open. Fair enough. Okay. The south. The south, yeah, yeah, so the south is yeah, open. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Some of us got off the plane and were like, oh, right, yeah, uh, I'm in a different world where I well, am. Right well, yeah, well, you know, we've, yeah, been, we've been traveling since, so we, we, like everywhere else, had lockdown until summer yeah. 2020 we've been traveling since then but with I mean, major restrictions yeah. major yeah, yeah, restrictions yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. um, give you an idea because uh, I, th- uh, uh, I kept count yeah. uh, last month was my 170th PCR test Good. since this started holy yeah. shit and this year until May um, from May onwards things started to ease off Yeah. by May this year and in this year I'd isolated for 74 days wow <sighs> So you'd have, because you're isolating coming back from places. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah. So it's been... So it's to any of the European tracks, you're, you're testing to get to anywhere. Uh, you're testing to go. To you're the testing country. on arrival. Yeah. yeah. You're testing every three days while you're there. Yeah. And yeah. then you're testing to come back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, through a fair period of time, the average was, because you're traveling quite often, yeah. 
uh, and then you, you're testing two and eight days to come home in the UK mm-hmm. that you're testing probably every three or four days. Right, so one thing I absolutely know is I've not got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but you're in Florida. Give it a couple of days. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you might have hepatitis now. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a different thing. That's a different thing. Yeah, that's, not, that's Sebring. But it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it, coming across and talking to some of the guys who've come from Europe for this, you know, it's it's refreshing because look, putting aside put aside the politics. Oh, my God, there's too much politics at the moment. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I'm not sure whether or not we've got a prime minister at this point. That was nice. <laughs> oh, we, yeah, we, yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, we, we did some research. <laughs> we heard you really like politicians. Yeah. So. What are we? I don't know if you, you know my background. Yes. We, yeah. Well, we there did you go. Re- so. We did a little <laughs> research. But I, I didn't until we did our yeah. research. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. let's let's jump into this. Daily Sports Car is what we know you from, which, yeah. is, which is literally in its 20th anniversary it this is, weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was a, a group you were with. You're basically the guy that's running that now. But you've yeah. been in this sport forever on the sports car side. Uh, but yeah. you started as a press officer. I did. I did. Well, so mm-hmm. I trained as a journalist at 18. I decided not to go to college. Um, I decided to go straight into work. Uh, trained as a journalist at 18. The training went fine. The business side didn't. Um, it's a long story, not for this podcast, about what happened to the newspaper trade in the UK at that point. Mm-hmm. My fallback option was I became a civil servant. It's as simple as that. I went into the media side of the civil service and I spent 20 years as a government press officer yeah. across... UK government worked for a couple of worked for Thatcher worked in Thatcher's uh, press office mm-hmm. worked in John Major's press office like for there like as in the Prime Minister's office hundred percent okay. yeah, yeah, number yeah, yeah. ten yeah. Yeah. so uh, wait, were so you the person at the podium uh, no doing the we thing? never did that okay. we never did okay. that okay. so the, all of the uh, it's anonymized uh, or was you know so I was a, uh, a I government spokesman yeah. and worked across a how very British yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that's not how we we're, do we're, we're so British yeah um, but it's <laughs> it, it's it's a uh, it's oddly different. Then that it was now, I was a public servant, yeah. so it didn't matter whether yeah. or not it was a right wing government, left wing mm-hmm. government. I've worked for both, sir. Um, <laughs> what do you say? I don't they, understand. They, they, you they, just they, lost our whole audience. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, 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 they can't fire us, uh, but now can we just call you Sean it's Spicer? Fr- it's fr- <laughs> Can we just hear can the, you Sean Spicer, the Sean Spicer? The Sean Spicer. Oh, the fun we had. We came through several years of my wife waking up saying the same words to me and they weren't I love you darling it was what's he done this time oh, yeah. ah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, it's difficult to watch politics yeah. not just in our country but yeah. across the world at the moment it's difficult because and here's the first little soundbite boys and girls Here is my profession whether or not people believe it or not was based on truth it was based on you. the question comes in you answer the question Yeah. and the key part of being a journalist was ask the right questions yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. Um, so it, it's it's tough at the moment to watch you know what I just what's heard? happened fake news yeah fake news fake right news. there yeah fake news <laughs> right that's there yeah. yeah answer questions yeah, yeah. truthfully so, that's fake now, news now I was so like during the Thatcher I was a kid yeah, um, yeah. oh thanks yeah. <laughs> I was a kid and, I'm, and I'm 75 yeah. years yeah. old burn uh, yeah. but like so I'm not like a uh, Compared to the polarized era now, I don't know what Thatcher's reputation in terms of very being a polarizing right figure. Very right wing. Okay. And she was a very polarizing figure. Okay. And is to this day hated by quite a lot of people on the left in uh, the UK and, and yeah. fair number on the right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but the yeah, she was, you know, uh, I guess characterized by her attitude to. Um, unions. Okay. Uh, the Falklands War was her. Oh, uh, that was her deal. That was her. So it, it was an interesting time to be in politics. The, the, but a press the officer is an employee of the government, not, not right. the administration. Completely the way it correct. Is here. There was yeah. a separation, if you like. I gotcha. So uh, that, that doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily the case anymore. I see. The key part about all of that with, with my involvement with the sport was I'm a government employee, I cannot work. 
as a journalist in any way, shape or form. So I didn't. Oh, copy. My interest was coming up because my son, who's now in his 30s, and yeah. um, we went racing every uh, every other weekend at Brands Hatch and went further afield. And okay. that ended up with James wanted to go and watch the McLarens at Le Mans, so we did in 95. Nice. Okay. And that changed absolutely everything. I found a thing at the time called Sports Car World, a very early kind mm-hmm. of website, 95, yeah. 96. Yeah. That was, yeah. a was, it, was it through AOL? Uh, I, I CompuServe, I think. Oh, right. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, and that was a guy called Malcolm Cracknell. Yeah. So, Malcolm, you've certainly met. Yes. Um, and Malcolm was the founding editor of that. That moved on through a slightly, um, okay, a difficult kind of uh, growth era where he was effectively sued by a Texan Lotus dealer huh. called Sports Car World who, uh, wanted the, who wanted the domain name. Yeah, right. And Malcolm yeah. lost, unfortunately. Uh, I didn't know that. And that was yeah. nasty. That became yeah. Super Sports Car World yeah. in a year with a thing called Total, Total Motorsport, Motorsport. Yeah. Right, yeah, right, right, which yeah. was funded by a guy, I'll say funded, allegedly funded, mm-hmm. by a guy running a Lexus touring car team. Chuck Goldsboro? Uh, no. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then once that was going pear-shaped, uh, at the end of that year, when everybody realized we weren't going to get paid, yeah. uh, three of us sat down around a table. That was Malcolm, myself, and a guy called John Brooks. You might yeah, remember John. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the three of the four founding members mm-hmm. of uh, Daily Sports Car. And in 2002, we set up the Big Orange website. Yeah. And I like that, that you were already off to a real education on sports car racing. Before you'd ever even started. You've already realized you're not going to get paid by people. There's going to be criminals. People are going to hate each other. You haven't been in. Day one hasn't even started. (laughs) And you already know how miserable it can get. I know exactly how miserable it can get. (laughs) We we, we lived through the eras of the the fantastic, there's a guy called James Monroe in British GT. Uh He bought a big orange McLaren. In fact, I wrote a car to go with it and bought Ducati motorcycles for key team members. First business, bro. Absolutely. And his, uh, his short era... Uh, in um, in sports car racing ended when the managing director of the company he was the senior accountant for woke up one morning and thought, why is my accountant standing on a podium at Alton Park? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Massive fraud. Yeah, yeah. Because you're sponsoring him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went and did time, and in fact, he's done it three times since. Mm. So um, that is what Old you call... Old habits die hard. Uh, yeah. It might be a career criminal, but it's not a very yeah, good yeah. career. But, uh, yeah. but so, yeah, that's always been an undercurrent of of this but I got into it because my son was into it and yeah. it was what we did and it was something we did together yeah. and um, I just loved it uh, so, so what I'm hearing is not the lifelong motorsport passion no. but you took the safe job no. and yeah. you found the yeah. side no, like this it was, yeah. it so happened. your son James so James would have been, uh, me think, he would have been five, six, seven years old. Yeah. Uh, my first marriage had not gone well. Okay. Um, Star wife. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you've got a choice. You, you, you involve your kids or you're not, or you become a, what I call a McDonald's dad or you're not. And yeah. I wasn't yeah. going to do either of those things. I yeah. loved my boy and we went racing and that was a, that was a really... So that was your thing 100%. With, with the yeah. sort of the split yeah. 100%. Parents. So when you say you went racing, you guys were fans that would just go, go check we were, out all these we events. Would, we would sit yeah. on a Paddock Hill Bend yeah. at Brands yeah. Hatch yeah. and whatever was on that week, we'd go and see it. And, and this then, is because he had discovered it and was into it? Uh, I, I think I was looking for something we could do together. He was, sure, a, okay. he was, he was into his cars. We, we, okay. You know, the... One what of age was he when all this started happening? Uh, was he, was re- he was coming racing with me five, six years old. Okay. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Lamoni was seven. So very, that, that's the key impressionable oh, yeah, age yeah, yeah, yeah. to be. I mean, he, yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. He, the, yeah. the very first race he went to with us, um, he was in a pushchair, in a stroller, and it was the 1988 Silverstone 500 kilometers. You'll know that one 
because that was the one where the Saubers wiped out um, at the final turn coming through with a little Tiger. So he was there at the fence line with us for that race. That was, I think, one of only two Group C races I ever saw. So my era really is kind of BPR, GT1, and then onwards from there. And because I'm a, you know... Uh, massive what we would call bobble hat um you know once you're into something it becomes pretty much all consuming and i just i, I love the sport i love the people within the sport the storylines are fascinating and once i'd found that passion then it was all guns blazing I, you know started out as a weekend warrior with malcolm covering the british gt championship in 2000 2001 and then with daily sports car it's just moved on and now it's it is a an absolute full-time job yeah. with dsc with the tv stuff with some other stuff in the right. background podcasting with marshall and, yeah. and all of that so but not not a the family business growing up not even something you grew no, up as a child no, I mean, that that this was it's, the, the I, I, i'm one of seven children and yeah. uh, i've got one brother five sisters that is my cross what year were you born Pardon? 64 okay 64 okay. so i'm 50 several years old <laughs> Um, so uh, I'm not none really of my family. I've got maybe one sister and her husband are pretty much in the form one. And where are you in the in the scheme of seven? third? Two the two third. elder okay. sisters. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm the like cl- as middle as middle children can get. Yeah. This yeah, this yeah. is this is how this is how worrying the family is. I'm the quiet one. Okay. Oh wow! Yeah, imagine, imagine <laughs> that. That's, uh, holidays must be fun. Yeah, I'm about that. to say. Thank God, there's uh, no Thanksgiving over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Why so, not? <laughs> so the, we've got the spooky thing where there's the five sisters, all of them do all sorts of different things. And there's two brothers, and he's 14 years younger than me, but he's also a journalist, mm-hmm. um, and in a completely different area. Area. He works for one of our national newspapers. Okay. But we, it's a, the spookiest part of it is, given the opportunity to write long form, he writes in exactly the same way that I write. He has the same <laughs> sense of humour yeah. that I've got. It's a very different angle to my family, which is, my dad was a naval officer, um, left the Navy when uh, his family outgrew his salary uh-huh. and worked in a factory till the day he died yeah. and a proud working class guy. So you don't grow up as a lifelong no, racing racer. guy. No. So like I was into cars. I like cars. Sure. Yeah. And I think the thing with with the boy was that uh, he was pretty quickly into his cars and mm-hmm. you know it's one of his little party tricks not in any way encouraged by me was you know he'd be in the car on the bus and he'd be able to name every car on the road and yeah. racing came with that so that just sounds like the like <laughs> the Goodwin trait OCD oh completely yeah, yeah. Oh, he's right there you, yeah, if yeah, you're sitting yeah. here right now yeah. he just likes like a slightly cooler version of me yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. which okay. would be Fair. not that cool even now <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, um, but um, poor, the one thing I would James. say is there was there were I was pretty much into Formula One yeah. as a you know so I remember you know uh, those defining moments uh, Ronnie Peterson mm-hmm. was my hero and I, that was the first person who I regard as being close to me that I lost and cried about yeah, yeah. so that that was awful and actually coming into you know first marriage that was a big thing for us on a Sunday we'd sit and watch the Grand Prix and there'd be snacks and blah 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 yeah. but anything other than that that kind of Murray Walker you know uh, BBC coverage of the Formula One wasn't really there you know we maybe did some bits and pieces but um but it, it came pretty quickly uh i'd say it was probably kind of 94 95 through and then we started to travel and do a bit more with silverstone in donington yeah. park uh, well that's when f1 really started having the second wave of blowing yeah. up yeah, yeah, yeah. plus for, for yeah. racing in england in general is just a big deal there you go yeah. and, and and you know i'd been involved a little bit with racing in the government days so I worked for quite a while for our sports minister 
So um, that included things like Olympic bids. So we, we had the genius idea of bidding for the Olympics with Manchester against Sydney because that was always going to work. Okay. So if you're a government press, because I'm still trying to wrap my head. So if you're a government press officer, yeah. which is effectively like you're just sort of in the system and then you're like a factory driver, only you're working uh, nine to five. I, I'm working, nine to five, I would dream of nine to five. Okay. I mean, oh my God, the, 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 the yeah. working hours were absolutely punishing. Right. But, but you're yeah. in the system where it's like you're, you're going to be doing sports for this period and now you're going to be with the prime you're, minister you're, and now you're, you're transportation. You're shifted as, as part of the kind of the, the development thing. You're, yeah. you're shifted from place to place. So I started out with the government's uh, effectively marketing agencies. I did the public information campaigns. Think everything from forces recruitment through to road safety. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's we, all housed in one. It's all housed. It was, at that entity. stage, it was one one place. It isn't yeah, anymore. It's so yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then, then uh, let me think. Uh, what are was trade industry? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was even a motorsport part to that. So that was at a time when the big deal in trade was bringing in what we call inward investment. So Nissan and Toyota and Honda were coming to mm-hmm. the UK. Yeah. So I remember doing those kind of launches for those big factories. What was after that? Uh, then it was our Department of Education and Science, which was when I started. My job there was working for the Ministry of Sport that came under that. Mm-hmm. And then we had this new ministry um, that, that sport was a much bigger part of. So when I was with that for several years mm-hmm. and uh, and that was that stayed as a specialism later in life so i got involved with the actual olympic bid when the olympics came to london the transportation side got involved in a later uh, life with bringing the tour de france to london for the first time and you know putting 1.4 million people on the streets of london wow. uh, to watch that and the yeah. development plan that went with it so some cool stuff yeah some, absolutely you know uh, it's one of those things where you kind of Turn back and you think you're, you're a civil servant. That sounds really boring. It really wasn't. It was yeah. it was uh, amazing well, and time. You're, and you're being put project to project to project, 100%. which definitely helps yeah. make it more yeah. exciting. It yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. You know, things like the 40th anniversary of D-Day. Sure. Around oh, the yeah. press yeah. center for that. Yeah. We yeah. had, you know, uh, I think it was Clinton at the time, mm-hmm. came over for that. And, you know, some really, really cool stuff. And it helped. Whether or not you're dealing with something small, whether or not you're dealing with some conflict within any other business, you know, whether you're dealing with kind of trying to think about building a business up or an understanding of what this business of sports car racing is, it does give you a window on that because actually it's all the same thing. You're dealing with how do you find the money for this? You know, that does, do those figures kind of add up? Is this right. sustainable? And how of do course, we the fake answer, the numbers to get what we need? Hundred yeah. percent. And as we all know, with right. all as we all know with sports car racing, no, it doesn't. And no, they don't. Right. And so it's, it, but it's, um, it started out as a bit of a hobby with my son. And then the opportunity to do something as a bit of a weekend warrior came and I pretty quickly realised I want to do more of this. And I worked in the background for many years with Malcolm. Malcolm's health then sadly took a turn for the worse. He had to step away. I took it on uh, while still holding down a pretty big day job. And then seven, by the time this comes out, eight years ago, um, the opportunity came up to step in and do the full season for TV with WEC. WC, that would that was just about enough that would justify that I could at least so make a living. Moving towards and so doing yeah. that yeah, on yeah. air I stuff. I mean, it was yeah, it was, yeah. it was a massive downturn in, in salary. Ma- I mean, enormous. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. From but that stage, I've been sports car racing. Sports right. car racing. Huh. Yeah. But um, but I've been commuting into London for kind of thirty five years by this time, yeah. and I've had enough. So yeah. um, where do you live? Uh, Epsom on the schedule. If you look look at London from above, it's kind of seven o'clock and on the outside. Ah, got me. So, okay. um, so the uh, most people will know my hometown 
for the Derby, the big uh, horse race yep, that's yep. there. That's about a ten minute walk from the yeah, house. Cool. So it's okay. up on a up on the, the downs looking down into London. So you're okay. looking down into London. So we're about twenty five minutes out by, by train. But it it's you know, I'm incredibly lucky. Um, that, that no story about Daily Sports Car or about our family is even remotely complete without, you know, Trudy, my I hate to say current wife, my second wife, mm-hmm. my lifelong partner. You say wife. The love of my life. A <laughs> <laughs> wife. You're already uh, better than Renee was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my girlfriend. Wife, whatever uh, she is. Uh, it's time Jesus you said it, dude. man. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, without that support and without that understanding that actually at some point, you know, it was going to go bang. I was hating life at that stage. So we built a garden, down, uh, garden built a, an office down the bottom of the garden. And that's where... I write from. That's where the podcasts uh, are done when I'm uh, when I'm at home on the few occasions I am, and you know life has been pretty happy until we get into pandemic, and then obviously it's been tough for everybody in every business. Yeah, period. But yep. it, I love what I do. I'm, I'm very. I've never earned less money, never. But I've bluntly never been more fulfilled in the career that I've right. actually got. Well, and having slogged as much as you did for for yeah. all those decades doing the press officer stuff. Uh, you know, to work from home, to not go to have to go to London every day, and and be involved in a sport that you've now grown this passion. It, it means for. I don't have so. to pick up a shotgun and run amok. That's the, yeah, that's yeah, the main yeah. thing. Is yeah. the, you know, they're not going to be on the news. That a, well, that's illegal in the UK, sir. <laughs> so it's, 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 here in Florida, though, it's not it's not seen yeah. as a good thing at our place. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you would you would make history. Let's put it this way, rather than just a weekend. Be like a Tuesday in, yeah, in Daytona Beach. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> But, so, uh, but no, that, that's, that's, that's where it, it came from. And um, it started with the writing and then... Well, the other thing, though, is like, so you you got into, at 18, yep. uh, you got into the journalism business to yep. write, it sounds Correct. like. And it sounds like if you've got a brother, like, it sounds like writing and being in that kind yeah, of yeah. space was a family deal. I mean, I can say this firsthand. Um, when you get into the PR side, if you're a proper PR person, which I was not, uh, you, you're fulfillment you're not the guy that's spearheading no. the pr campaign no, you're, 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 you're not, not you know you're, you're dealing with journalists you're not the journalist you, so you, you are effectively you're a cog in the in the machine and you know it's it's your choice to a degree what part you play in that and the part i chose to play in that was you want to be an honest broker you you want to be you're at times dealing with really big stuff i mean you know really big stuff and in in the case of the uk and the government at the time, that was everything from, you know, big financial things through to terrorism. Yeah, you, know, you were there during f- the London bombings, right? Oh, I very much was. Yeah. I mean, that was that, but that was post-government. That was in a different job. Sure. But, you know, in, um, you know, through that period of time in London, you know, I was talking to a, uh, a colleague this morning about it. You know, you forget how much of that was around in the UK at the time with the Irish nationalism, etc. I mean, the reality of my working life is I have been in four buildings that were bombed while I was in them. You know, uh, that's the reality. You know, you, you've, you would on occasion witness terrorist shootings and the kind of level of people losing their mind over what's going on now in the world with fundamentalism, it, you kind of think, oh, God almighty, what would you have been like? Yeah, yeah. Right. Years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's... I'm not relaxed about it. Uh, I'm as concerned as anybody else would be about it. But there's a level of reality, and my my reality for it is that you don't let people bully you out of living your life, and that has got me into an equal measure of satisfaction about my state of mind and trouble uh, through. (laughs) But to that exact point, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're at 
at that point in your career, you're facilitating. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, right. So yes. you're, you're just connecting this to this and, yeah, yeah. and giving resources to this other thing. So when you're seeing, when you're in crisis management, yeah. as a facilitator, I imagine it can get a guy like you who seems to come with a lot of passion. Facilitating can be very frustrating because you are not the person. You, you want to take action for somebody and you're just watching other people. I have found myself connector. in conflict with powerful people on number, a number of occasions. That means powerful people in terms of the people who are in my organization and powerful people in journalism. And yeah, that does bring con conflict with it. And you've got to develop a bit of a spine about this, really. And you've got to make a decision about just exactly how I'm going to live that life. And that means you've got to stand up for yourself. Yeah. You know, I'm no pushover. Which, as a facilitator, puts you in a lot of... It's about, like, you're not it, it, writing the editorial, you're connecting the guy that which is. Which is exactly why I can't do that job anymore. Because my style of doing that would not wash in the in the current political climate. You'd, you'd be fired with 10 seconds. I'd, I'd be blunt, I did consider, when everything was going south in 2020 and you watch what's going on in places you care about and the people in that in, in government that I trained at pretty senior positions now, and you can see that they're going to be struggling with limited resource and with all the restrictions. And there was a moment when I thought, do I pick up the phone and say, can I help? But within uh, metaphorical 10 minutes of listening to the bullshit that's coming out, the answer is, no, uh, there's just no point. Now, is that a shift in PR culture? Is that specific to like the Boris Johnson administration? It's, it's, it, it, the, the culture in the UK changed probably with the Blair government, uh, became a more presidential style of government, and a lot more of the, the key decision makers were political appointees, and that, frankly, is where it's all gone wrong. So, you know, the, here endeth the lesson, but, you know, the reality is you've not got people who don't have a vested interest in a political party advising and making decisions anymore on a day-to-day -day basis, and that's not been a move for the good. Um, so it's an area where I, I have not a great deal of a sense of humour about it, to be honest with you. And, and I'm blessed with... I do not have a party political affiliation at all. Yeah. At all. Neither do we. No. Wait, in the car earlier, you said... <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, you know, my, my overarching thing is I actually think that party politics is, is the enemy. I think actually... Politics would be far better if you're dealing with individuals and less tribal, because the, what what you what you you're doing is you've got the if you'd like the deals have been done behind closed doors and then you've been presented with something that actually isn't real, and that's when things start to go south pretty quickly. So sports cars, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like Grand M and LMS. <laughs> so oh boy, yeah, here boy. we go. <laughs> but, so, but there Wait. you go. <laughs> Tube frames. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tube frames. Yeah. Is there a time for tube frames, and is that time now? Well, oddly, I'm actually, it's a really odd... Okay. Uh, okay. Aside from... <laughs> this is where you, it gets passionate. What you, yeah. what you read, and aside from what you sometimes hear and you might see, I do do other work in the background. So I do do some consultancy with all sorts of people, mm -hmm. manufacturers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I have got, at the moment, something I'm pushing with a... Uh, which is tube, tube frame. It's not tube frame as you might imagine it, but it's tube frame at a very low level. It's it's trying to get back some of that entry-level endurance motorsport that hmm. we've lost. Uh, uh, so you know, so maybe a tube, tube frame mini uh, that could okay. be a uh, Fiesta that yeah, could right. be a yeah. cheap. Oh. So like in other words, basically, yeah. entry which kind of, basically yeah. means what you're doing is you're reassuring of safety at, at a lower level. So what you're so saying is that Grand M got it right. Says Graham Goodwin. That's what I heard. That's this, what I heard. Is, is this working? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're really passionate about people taking sides in sports car racing. Especially. I don't like it. No, I know. I've, I've read the opposite. I've read that you yep. were like big fans of people that are like WC is better than IMSA or vice versa. It. Yeah. It's, 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 it's for me, 
What are you trying to prove? I yeah. mean, the, rea- the reality yeah. for me we is... We have 10 fans. We need to divide them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, what's not clear about this? Yeah, let's get these numbers lower. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm looking in your eyes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, there's a man that knows the word epiphany. And it's kind of... <laughs> and it's that moment where... There's something there in the eyes. I have the, a moment where you could get irritated about the way the rules set impacts on a race. And look, God, have we seen that in terms of what happened in Formula One? Sports car racing. Put, put aside everything else at the moment. Let's yes. think about WEC and let's think about IMSA. Sure. Okay? Everything else is sort of gravy, mm-hmm. if you like. They're just two different sports. Mm-hmm. And, and my view is that IMSA has a rule set that really, really works for the endurance races. WC, in this new era that's coming with this vast in, in, you know, influx of prototypes, soon to be followed by a vast influx of GT3 cars, mm-hmm need to consider whether or not they've got the right rule set for that because right. it's very different from where we've been before and if you've got a rule set that doesn't help perhaps a factory team that's not come out punching mm-hmm. that might not be a good thing so i think we're at a point where there's lots of really good stuff going on it genuinely is really exciting yeah. to be part of this but i think we also need people to make some brave decisions about whether or not we've got the right product mm-hmm. to get the audience that they want and the other bit that I, I know you've found them passionate about is don't do what every other aspect of the sport has done just go rushing up to Netflix sell your soul and go for a completely different audience completely forget the one There's, you've already got yes yes <laughs> as you shake hands <laughs> um well you, the one thing you just said that I was like, oh, there's going to be the problem, is that you said people are going to have to make some big decisions. Yeah, they're not very good at it, is a straight answer. Huh? I think the Middle management? Middle management? Mean? Like, they don't protect their jobs and careers versus trying to stick your neck out to make something better? We haven't harped on this for what? seven years. What? <laughs> I, I've, I have one little mantra that I, I'm trying to kind of Now, get you in. leave after five. I leave after you five. You still work after five. Oh, yeah. I'm already out. What does that mean? You work after mean? five. Well, I thought by 501 you're in Chili's. Here in Daytona Beach. There's a P of Chang's. You work after five. I, I, I don't stop working. Out there at London, 7 p.m. Oh, or 7 o'clock, I mean, whatever yeah. city I, you're well, in. Give, I mean, like the salt. Epson, give you an, an idea uh-huh. of what it's like, particularly here. I'm five. not on my regular kind of time uh, time zone. Yeah, so that's I, not where I was going. No, no. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Yeah. I, did, I did actually have to set an alarm for 10 to 3 this morning to get up to post one story and push it and then go back to sleep. And that's not unusual. No, I believe that. Uh, but the um, you have to, and because <laughs> the the big yeah. the big problem in I think every part of the sport, and then whenever you get powerful organisations, which is another parallel with the other life, is there is not a culture of being able to tell truth without consequence. So truth has consequences. I was going to say I want to shake hands on that one. That was <laughs> that's exactly that, right. That is a massive mistake. So you have to accept the consequence. Well, there's all sorts of things that come out of that. Bad yeah. decision making can't be challenged as easily. You know, um, not taking a point of view in. The, I mean, at the moment, what you see over, if you see over in that paddock, the paddock's extraordinary this year at the Rolex uh, 24. It's yeah. extraordinary and it's really exciting. Uh huh. But still, the vast majority are privately owned teams with privately owned cars. Right. And they're not given enough attention. And they're fundamentally not given enough attention <laughs> when we get into the ACO uh, rules thing, where I think, what, Le Mans 82%? I've always been a fan of you. <laughs> But holy f- if you yeah uh huh go on Graham Goodwin <laughs> but it's it's you're if saying you're, if you're not looking at what those guys need I find it strange that when you've got um, any organisation and by the way this applies to IMSA ACO yep. Yep. SRO everybody mm-hmm. if the majority of your customer base 
are successful, wealthy people. The reality is that a number of those people, well, number one, they're spending millions doing this. Yeah, yeah, for number no two, return. They're, they're therefore motivated to do this. Um, so the reality is a good proportion of those people are going to be pretty self-made. Uh-huh. And they've probably got things they could teach you. So why aren't you doing that? Yeah. Why aren't you actually putting in a, some kind of framework that allows them to feed in rather than just reacting to a rule book that you've written behind closed doors? Like having the most successful video game entrepreneur in the history of the business and you've never spoken and to you ignore him? Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> and there are very few. Do you there know what some. I'm saying there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm hitting it on the head hard enough. Yeah. What, what, are you, what are you getting at? Nothing. But I, th- I think, you know, there, there are lessons. But I, I wonder whether or not we'll lose that again as... The factories metaphorically well, now that we're going into a huge factory reverse the truck uh, up they're the going to stay forever though well no they're not and I, think, <laughs> what? I know that's shocking but yeah. it's it's it, it to me has always been a mistake that repeatedly yeah. sanctioning bodies have made yeah i actually think it helps that if you look at the chronology of when daily sports car really mm-hmm. was full tilt that was for argument's sake the one of the low points for manufacturers yeah so you remember that oh yeah you know 100%. Um, so and i think sometimes if you're new at sort of a peak, you don't realize there's a valley coming. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I one of the things I do with the broadcast stuff is while I'm talking on air for WEC or Freedom S or for Asian Le Mans or anything else, I am also interacting live on some kind of social media platform, whether it's Discord group, whether or not it's. Um, you said Discord, old man's on it. I know. Yeah. There you go. Um, and it's it's a source of. Sorrow when you've got the, the, the moment the, um, the the phrase of choice to talk about pro am is uh, it's the dentist class, okay? So it's a bunch of dentists, and my view of it is guys, the, no, you've, you've got a the, sad the, comment there, right? There are basically two differences between the guys in those cars and you sitting at home. Yeah, one is they've probably got a lot more talent than you've got and two is they've got the resources that you haven't got and had you got those resources and that talent you'd be doing exactly what they're doing Yeah. Yeah. and some of these guys are doing it with all the available spare money they've got Um, we talk about this like with Ryan Ryan would love to be a gentleman driver and just pick his seats you know what I mean is it the resources or the talent though that's the problem there I'm really? getting out of this. I'm getting out of you this. You came to I'm, me this yeah, yeah. I also think it's adorable that they call it the dentist class because dentists can't afford it. It's so expensive right, right now. Like, yeah, yeah. You're either generational wealth or you're an early yeah. internet adopter. Yeah. And that was it. But um, I think it's... It, yeah, it, I'd much rather take the route of like, I can just drive any of these I want. Here's a check. And you're not going to... And also, I could... We, we joke about this all the time. I could be the biggest prick in the world. Yep. And we've seen this from some of them. I could tell if you were a team owner, I'd be like, Grandma hate you yeah here's my million dollars get that dpi out yeah and you're gonna go yes sir right okay. away right and be like, yep. Great yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. versus being the paid pro that's like hi mr goodwin i'd really appreciate it if you would give me this golden <laughs> opportunity and then you're like get the <laughs> f- i'm like yeah see you sorry if you please not kick me in the nuts exactly, the exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and but i'd be like great great day but the thing <laughs> the thing i think i do find is the number of people in that first um mm-hmm. group the absolute assholes Remarkably small, mm-hmm. and they don't stick around long. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, that community, with or without the help of a sanctioning body, sort of develops its own life. Yeah, you know. And you'll bump into people, bump Thank into you. people all over the world. That you know, it is a remarkably small family. If you're an asshole, people, yeah. you're not going to have a good time. You're not going to have a good time. Any kind of fraternity, you know uh, what I mean? And so. that's the that's the key thing, which comes back time and time and time and time again, which is. You've got to make sure these guys are having a good time, because otherwise, why are they doing it? 
you you want to ride in the car with us? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's everything you're saying, but with a lot more hate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you, the, the, you, for me, uh huh. That 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 kind of okay. Oh God, like, I feel like I'm philosophizing now. That journey is defined by a series of conversations. Yeah. And one conversation I remember having with a gentleman driver. It happened in Zhuhai in China, and I was trying to kind of find a way to have a conversation with this mildly intimidating character. And the opportunity presented itself. And the conversation went something like, don't mind me saying so, you've got more money than God compared to me. Um, you must have other options as to what you spend your money on. If you were spending this kind of money on anything else, I can remember asking the question, what kind of customer service would you expect? And his answer was on point, And it was, I'd expect them to kiss my ass and smile while they're doing it. Yes. That's yes. what it was. Yeah. And I said, okay, you've been involved in motorsport, because we're on a roll now, for probably <laughs> 10 years at that stage. Yeah. Have you ever had that kind of customer service? And everybody laughed. Why, why is everybody laughing? Mm-hmm. Why is that the case? Mm-hmm. We're talking here, if you're doing international motorsport, you're talking a seven-figure sum. Yeah. You just are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and certainly in LMP2. Why are people accepting That's that level of treatment? Level that they're of treatment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, by the way, was in a series that had a pretty good reputation for right. customer yeah. service. Yeah. So, for me... <sighs> so, it's almost like if you're a, like a gatekeeper yeah. or a message deliverer, not on the, yeah. the journalist side, because your job is to be objective, but if you're yeah, on yeah. Mm-hmm. the PR or the marketing mm-hmm. management side... Mm-hmm. Maybe your number one objective in that side of the, of the paddock, the non-OEM side, yeah. should be keep these folks excited and, and happy. happy to be there. Yeah. Wanting to well, spend money And maybe there. your Instagram post should be about them and not yourself. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, Graham Goodwin. Uh, quite possibly. Yeah, go on. But here's the other thing, which is... <laughs> not what I plan on Do doing. Do it I did not want to sit here and philosophize. Do it. Uh, I'll give you another story. Here you go. The other story is, is this. I uh, bumped into a friend and pit lane colleague um, who looks after quite a large team in the UK who had two deals, one in LMP2 and one in GT3. Completely different customer teams. But customer teams. And um, I asked him when we were going, I think, we were, I think a GT World Challenge Europe race. Big grid, 50 plus GT3 cars. And he said it's extraordinary that we've been there probably three weeks earlier with another series. And he said... Um, we have a running joke that at the end of each of the LMP2 races, we wait for someone to turn up at the, ga- the, the garage door with a white envelope, and we've got to guess how much fines are in that envelope. And then here, we've got two people whose job it is to make sure that doesn't happen. That's the difference, and it's that simple. And what that means is people are happier. People are more likely to trust that organisation, more likely to come back, more likely to show loyalty at probably multiple levels. And, and that's, to me, that's not difficult. That's, that's I'm afraid, an organisation putting themselves before their customers, right. and that just does not make sense. Right. You've got basically two sorts of national slash international sports car racing. You've got series that are externally promotable and series that are participation. And in many cases, they've got the vision, SRO do, Corentic do, to invest in reasonably high quality TV and streaming to add value, which, by the way, brings something that, oddly enough, most of the other externally promotable things don't have, which is sponsors. Yeah. 
So you look at it. If you look at... Because um, they're so accessible. I mean, you know, so something like GT World Challenge or give it proper name, Fanatec GT World Challenge powered by AWS, uh, therefore introducing two big sponsors to that organisation, bringing money into that. Uh, the reason those, um, those fans are able to follow those series is because part of the deal is some of the money comes in and SRO puts some of that money back into a pretty high-quality streaming service. Um, they don't have to do that for the competitors. They could just keep the money. What they're doing is it's a transactional thing. And it is strange to me that they're successful in, in garnering that kind of sponsorship support, whereas other series that are actually more promotable right. aren't. Well, let me let me stop you there, because this is this you're pointing out something that I'm very... God, I hate philosophy that's real. Um, um, <laughs> AWS is very involved in SRO America, yep. SRO Europe. You know why? Because they created a rule set that attracted Mr. AWS to be yep. there. And yep. and like AWS isn't there because it makes ROI sense. No. It absolutely does not. No. But they're there because they want to be there. Yeah. It's and a very simple model. And again, and beyond that, the other thing that is often forgotten about that sponsorship model is quite often it's not about selling stuff by having your brand on the end of a series name or a banner underneath the stream. It's about bringing friends and customers to those race meetings because, let's face it, particularly if you're not involved in racing, it's a cool place to be. You know, And I know, I know lots and lots of people. That there's, there's loads of examples of race teams whose fundamental underpinning um, financial strategy is that it's business to business stuff at the race meeting yeah. and that's why by the way the pandemic's been a disaster absolutely yeah. but back to keeping them excited like yeah you bringing customers and clients to the track is cool but so is a well-done tennis deal so yeah. is going to a million other venues like you've got to have somebody that's championing that yeah. cause and that's only going to happen if they're excited to be there so if you're i don't know the guy running aws yeah. you're there because you want to be there and then you'll justify it with all those efforts so but the big difference between yeah. tennis and oh. football, and hockey, and everything else, and motorsport, particularly motorsport as we currently got, is the guy that's excited by it can actually be in the race. That's my point. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. No, it's the it's it, it is the it is the most high level sport you can participate in by not being world class, keeping people, including rhymes, you know, in work. And that's a great thing. That's a really good thing. But we we need to keep embracing that and moving it forward and involving them in the decision-making process because otherwise, all of a sudden, you realise we've lost those factory teams and, by the way, those 50, 60 cars we had before, we've now got four. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sean and I are both, as a factory driver, I'm saying this knowing that it's not necessarily my, my best interest. We both believe that they don't, in this country, they don't do nearly enough to keep the John Potters of the world happy. No. And they're treated very much so like second-class citizens in an industry that lives and dies by their yeah. by their participation. And uh, the, like the driver ranking thing, I've said this since it, it started that if you it makes and I, I don't know why they put up with this, but like it makes no sense to me how you can say that John Potter and Spencer Pompelli are the same ranking. Yeah, you're basically saying Spencer Pompelli gets this opportunity to get a ride that Ryan Eversley can't because he's ranked yeah. underneath him, but also John Potter. You have to compete against Spencer unless you hire him and put him in your car. Oh. So you're basically screwing both sides. But the biggest thing is, like, if we're trying to keep Ben Keating, John Potter, all those guys happy, why the hell would you say you have to go compete against Aaron Tielitz? Yeah. In a factory like program. It's like, well, then we're not doing this right the, anymore. Yeah. The U.S. has got yeah. a different version of the same problem that we've got in Europe and the global field at the moment, which is 
you're in the ridiculous situation at the moment where you've got the regulations defining the marketplace, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Yeah. You yeah. know, the marketplace should, <laughs> <laughs> should, be pushing, should be pushing this. And it is that thing around, number one, it is a source of huge sorrow that you've got young and less young professional drivers losing out. Why? Because they're good. Yeah. <laughs> but you are punished for being successful. When I explain this to people not in our industry it's at a cocktail madness. party, they are furious. It's, it's completely like, what? I think it's getting to a tipping point. Okay. The, the FIA... <laughs> no, I think the, the FIA have been epically lazy with this. Yeah. And the problem is... No, they've been writing more rules. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't hear that on my well, podcast. It's kind of like what you were saying earlier. Like, uh, you, If you do something wrong and you get called for it, yeah. you need to be like, okay, maybe I do need to make a change. Yeah. And it almost, they they do. They write more rules. <laughs> there's yeah. been a very... like I've, I've been a big... Uh, pretty much convinced that instead of going, we got this wrong, we need to start over the like... But they're not going to do that. Add another rule. Add another rule. Add another exactly rule. It's problem. like, no, you need to go, let's try something different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sean's right. And it's, it, look, this is, it's, this is, it's not an unusual um, system. You look at anything, whether or not it's taxation. I'll, I'll give you a great example, okay? I have two children. Well, my daughter is 18 now, is adopted. Um, we've been through that, that kind of process with social workers and all sorts of blah, blah, blah. It's a nightmare. And the reason it's a nightmare, um, particularly when you go through the adoption process and there's a huge amount of form filling, and you realise you're going through this form and I've already given that information and now it's another one. And, and, it, and what it is is you have a system, something goes wrong, you add another stage. Something else goes wrong, you add another stage. <laughs> something else goes wrong, you add another stage. Yeah. And no one's ever taken the time to take two steps away from it and yes. think, this yes. is nuts. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's that. And what actually it now needs is root and branch reform. Right. Yes. But in it, like, yes. In a adoption process, let's where go Goodwin. Right, I'm all in on, but like, there's like, it makes sense in something like that because it's you know adoption has potential to be heavily litigious. Like the COVID screeners here in the U.S. and California, yeah. like like I had to legitimately explain that I was not breastfeeding. <laughs> like that was a real question that came right, up, and right, I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. but I get it because like we're dealing with drugs, very yeah. real things yeah, in yeah, the yeah, world, yeah, so yeah, I understand yeah, the litigiousness yeah, of it. Yeah, like yeah. this is. Sports car racing. Yes, you the know. thing is, the, the only the only real change they've made in those driver rankings, in my memory, was to remove the aspect of silver that defined whether or not you had to be a pro or an am. That's the only thing they've done. They've actually made it worse. Okay? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. We made more rules. Well, and again, another one of those another one of those uh, those moments where you kind of sit down and someone gives you that kind of defining. Yes take on something it was with David Heimer Hansen yeah yeah DHH um, yeah. Um, and I hope we're going to see him back uh, this year by the, by the time we hit uh, we, this, this, this is broadcast. like end of 2020 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I'm hoping we're going to see him back this year because we've missed him and sitting down with him again oddly enough in Bahrain mm-hmm. and he gave you that little bit of wisdom and it was someone made the decision to tell guys like me that I could win a race mm-hmm. okay I shouldn't be able to win a race but once you've made that decision mm-hmm. that you're going to go for that market yeah You've got to write a rule set that accommodates that. Sure. Now, bearing in mind, this was a decade ago. Mm-hmm. That rule set has not moved on. No. But the marketplace no. has, because we're dealing with, you know, as, as any rule maker should realise, rule makers are smart people. Yeah. But then people employ smarter people to find ways yeah. around yes. that rule. Yes, And there's not been any real effort to equalise that situation. No. But it's, it's you know, they've, they've lost that, that link to their customer base. And I worry that because we're all so focused on this one big thing, 
and that's the other, by the way, the other problem is they do seem to only be able to focus on one big thing at a time and don't really think about the way that's going to distill down into the into the class system is that that will mean that we lose the opportunity again for another five years to, to grip it. And it'll probably only come forward when some of those factories decide we're going to go somewhere else. So the realities of, of LMDH are that you're replacing um, for Pro-Am teams, and by the way, there isn't a Pro-Am formula for LMDH yet, watch this space for that. Those cars are, what, half a million, 600,000 UK, so what, seven, 800, okay? You're replacing that with a Porsche LMDH that at the moment is retailing for two and a half million euro. And you've then got to add on something like five and a half million euro for a season's running budget in the in WEC. Yeah, if you're even allowed to have one, yeah. But there's, but there's another part to it, which is this. In your world, who owns the car? You know, in your world in racing, who, who owns the... The LMP2 car is either owned by the team yeah, or it's owned by a wealthy individual. Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. LMDH, you're then looking for an LMP2 car to an LMDH car, something like four to five times the money and probably 40 to 50% more to run it. And then you have to tell that guy you can't drive the car because you can't be competitive. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to be the reason we don't win. Fundamentally. So actually, it's not going to be LMP2 teams that step up. It's going to be the GT teams that step up. The GTLM teams in in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Because they are Mm million-buck cars Mm -hmm. and more. And that's what you're going to see. But even there, you're trying to persuade these lovely, I mean, fantastic people who are massively passionate. You're just going to have to accept if you want to come and play with your new car, you're going to get your ass handed to yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On a weekly basis. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder how long that's going to last. Yeah. And that, that is a worry, is that they've, they've been too focused on the amazing take-up we've got from factories. And how long can that wave be ridden? Yeah. We are now, even at a GT3 level, we're now at a budget standpoint yeah. where... It is not a dentist class because no. dentists oh, no. don't have that kind of disposable it. income. Yeah. It is literally generational wealth. Yeah. Yep. Uh, or somebody who got very somewhere between yeah. good and lucky on yeah. a big score <laughs> yeah, right, in whatever right. business they're in. Yes. And yes. Um, when you're like, we, we've had this conversation offline with, with some gentleman drivers that we know. Mm-hmm. If you spent less, would you be okay not winning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he was spending more of like what the old Grand Am, yeah, like, used to like be. a third of the current yeah. budget, he's like, like yeah. to spend because like, he didn't realize how expensive currently GT3 yeah. racing is. Like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, if I was spending that, if I wasn't in a chance to win, why would I be? Yeah, there? and that's that's your market. Yeah, that 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 guy yeah. is the but guy. But also you means that in terms of kissing ass to yeah. these guys, like now because it is the same five people and they're the only people in the world that can do yeah. this, you really have to. Uh, <laughs> you should be really giving them a good time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'll give you a brilliant example yeah. of exactly that. Yeah. It talks to this business around this network of gentlemen drivers as yeah. well. So um, in Europe, I do TV for the LMS uh, package, which includes the Michelin Le Mans Cup, which is if you follow Le Mans, it's, that's the series that provides the road to Le Mans uh, warm-up race. LMP3 cars, GT3 cars, but principally it's an LMP3 grid. And what we've seen over the last couple of years is a change in the teams that are doing that and quite a lot of German teams coming in. So... Uh, anybody that follows kind of Nürburgring racing, people like that, Black Falcon, Rinaldi, uh, Phoenix have been in there, uh, uh, four or five other teams. Yeah, and I was wandering around the paddock um, this year thinking, this is pretty impressive. We've got, you know, seven or eight of these teams now, German, gentleman driver, um, motivated teams. Someone's got done a good job, I thought, for a nanosecond selling this. And I thought, no, they haven't. No one's gone and sold that. What that is is these guys have all been doing VLN racing and GT3 cars um, 
And one of their friends has tried one of these things and has realised how much less this yeah, costs. Yeah. And has told them, and they've all gone, no. Yeah. And they're yeah. all there. Yeah. And it's the same yeah. six, seven, eight wealthy guys yes. that are racing yes. four yeah. class wins at the Nürburgring yes. that are now doing uh, LMP3 racing in the Michelin Le Mans mm-hmm. Cup. Mm-hmm. And sure as eggs is eggs, what's happened this year? We've got a German prototype championship. Yeah, right. Yeah, because there's Why? enough people want to do it. Because it is the biggest bargain. Yeah. Like yeah. you say, about LMPC. Exactly. It's yeah. the biggest bargain in yes. sports kind of racing. Yes. And, you know, those those little cars, they may not be as exciting to watch as a DPI. Yeah, they may like, not be, you know, but the reality is how much of the potential of a DPI yeah. are you going to get out of if, if you're a gentleman driver? Yes. And I think it's, it, it is about, again, take two steps away from the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they talking to guys like you to find out how difficult it is in that marketplace? You'd have to admit that you didn't know everything. <laughs> but, you know, b- back on track with this, yeah. it, it does come down to a simple premise, which is you've got to value, you use the right word, your talent. Mm-hmm. And that means people who've got business talent and knowledge, people who've got market knowledge, people who are actually are emotionally invested yeah. in your product. Yeah. If you're not doing that, you're not doing it right. You're yeah. just not. Yeah. And you know, show people a little bit of trust and love and my God, you will draw some benefits. And now a not very smooth transition to save all of our careers. Where do you first meet Malcolm Cracknell? Silverstone. Yeah. And oddly enough, Trudy was there. So Trudy and I hadn't been together for a long I think, I'm right, I think Trudy had been with me up to mum's to meet my mum because mm-hmm. dad died just a few days before I met Trudy okay and you know we random meeting in a bar is that right? honest with you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and you're she, probably pretty pretty broken up oh, at no. the time <laughs> <laughs> no I was fine I, oh, I was fine oh. dad, dad had been ill okay so, and yeah. and my take on it was he'd been more ill than I think most people realised and I knew they would have hated being an invalid. Uh, and so I was yeah. actually, I've always been okay with it. Yeah. So I'm sad he's gone, but I wouldn't have wanted him to live his Suffer life and not be horrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you know, it just wasn't him. Yeah. So, you know, um, so I think we've been up. I think it was my sister's birthday. And I think we're all back on our way back on the Sunday. And there's a British GT race. And okay. we've been talking. I remember, I do remember... Uh, so, uh, I mean, not said anything to Trudy about the fact I was absolutely definitely going to go and stop at Silverstone <laughs> for an hour. Yeah. Um, and asked, I, I must have been about half an hour away from Silverstone, saying, Do you mind if I just pop in and <laughs> at this motor event? Yeah. I yeah. remember meeting him um, around the back of, I think it was Corroy's Marcos okay. um, yeah. truck. And uh, that was the, the first conversation, and, other than email, face to face. Oh, so you had already corresponded oh, yeah, with yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, 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 Followed what he was doing. Yeah. He, he always had a picture of everything he wanted a picture of. Yeah. And I fed him some bits and pieces mm-hmm. that I'd heard and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But it was that there was already a, a kind of sort of dancing around the fact that I wanted to do some stuff. Yeah. And he clearly needed some help. Yeah. And that was, that must have been 2000. Yeah. And I think I did some bits and pieces at the end of 2000. Did 2001 with him for Total Motorsport. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did British GT that year. And a bit of British touring cars, actually. Yeah. And then from 2002 onwards, I was part of the business. Yeah. So it was oh, an extraordinary bloke. Yeah. I mean, you know, ex-teacher. Yeah. He, like me, got fed up with his day job and um, decided that the established journalistic order wasn't doing a good enough job of what he was passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so he went and did it himself. Mm-hmm. And genuinely he's missed absolutely every day yeah you know yeah. it's it's you know he's not well at the moment yeah. and i've not been able to go and see him and it sure. doesn't make me happy yeah um but 
Uh, he, he stopped too early. Yeah. That's, a rec- that's really a symptomatic of mm-hmm. the illness he's got, yeah. which is depressive as well as degenerative. Sure, sure. Um, but he, uh, to this, he came back to do work uh, with us for test day uh-huh. at Le Mans uh, some years ago. And um, he was going on his way down to see one of our guys as uh, a house in France. He was going to go and stay with him for a week and yes. it was on the way and blah, blah, blah. We met him for a coffee and I said, well, come on, come to the circuit. But no, 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 me, no, 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 me, blah, 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 blah. My God. It was, we had to, you know, I think he made it two garages down yeah. and people just coming to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a lovely moment because I think he realised there was still a lot of love in the room. Yes, yes. I remember Richard Dean bumping into uh, Malcolm as we were leaving to go back to the car and his mobility yeah. is poor okay. now. Yeah. Um, Richard's a good guy and he's had his own health problems mm-hmm. and, he rec- and he invited him back there and then he says, you know, he says, I will send a car, we ah, will send a buggy, yeah. you will come and spend the day when the cars are on track in our hospitality yeah. and, do, and, and he did. And it was, that was the last time I saw him on the track. Yeah. He, you know? he played a major role in my... Uh, probably like my because I, I obviously grew up going to the racetrack a lot and then when I was like early teen I was like okay there's other things there's baseball and you know girls and friends around town and things like that so I kind of didn't fall out of love with it but it just was not yeah. all I could think about you, you know and then uh, as I started to kind of get back into it is when the internet really showed up and that made know, it a lot easier to follow and and a sport that's already hard to follow in general yeah uh, there there was this one guy well there were two were there there was there was, there was Malcolm and there was Tim Crete oh was, no no yeah, yeah, yeah very, yeah. exactly right yeah Tim yeah. Crete very you know uh, in our world very famous photographer from Florida yep. you know ex-submarine man yeah absolutely yeah, but those but those guys were what was his site it was uh, fast, fast details that's right fastdetails.com and so back then for uh, a 12 13 year old kid who yeah. was trying to find information on sports racing because at the time my dad was running the Panos program so he'd go overseas and like you didn't have text messaging you want to see what that was yeah I had no idea what was going on you know and so um, it was very hard to get information but uh, Malcolm especially was the first one that I can think of that was doing like live updates throughout the 24 hours of Le Mans he was oddly enough there's there's kind of parallel conversation I have often now which is um, I I do like I say interact with a fair number of fan groups Mm -hmm. Um, that's cool yeah. I, I get a lot out of it yeah. actually and a lot of what we get back is well why can't we have this and why can't we have that why can't we have free practice too from Spars <laughs> which the answer is because you're going to have to pay cameraman for another day <laughs> right. uh, yeah. and you know I, I do actually have to get to the point where you yeah. often have to say you guys have no idea how lucky you are yeah you know you have no idea yeah. I mean, a, a great example I was talking to Richard Crowell um, who is the PR guy for the Bathurst 12 hours okay. fantastic guy. okay and we're talking about why Bathurst is so special to so many people in uh-huh. the UK. So we used to get terrestrial TV coverage uh-huh. of the Bathurst 1000, the, the supercars race. But we used to get it six months later. So there'd be a mm. highlights package, mm-hmm. which was extraordinary, by the mm-hmm. way. You know, the in-car mm-hmm. cameras and talking to the drivers. Yeah. But it would be the end of the year. Yeah, right. You know? And it was that so different. Uh-huh. Uh, but you would... You know, you you valued that. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, you know, if you can't watch it live, it's, yeah, you know, like, who do I complain to? <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? And yeah, we, what what we get now at the moment, we're getting drilling into the microcast. Some of it, it's kind of why can't we have free practice too? And why can't yeah, we have this? And why yeah. can't we have a better graphics package? People, the level of people's demands, demands, <laughs> or, or, or the, the detail on details on, thing, <laughs> <laughs> <the details laughs> on things like graphics packages was an absolute eye opener for me. And, and in truth, I think. It, in part, that's my entitlement because I've actually got... I don't mm-hmm. need graphics because I've got all the gear in my uh, my booth. So I'll mm-hmm. put that aside. Uh, they're not wrong. I just I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but it, it is extraordinary the level to which people 
are interested in the detail. Um, we're we're going to go back to the yeah, where, where I was going with this. For me, daily sports car played a major role, I think, in my career because it kept me engaged in what was going on. It's, it's Malcolm's vision that did it. Yeah. Mal- Malcolm was a teacher at a kind of public school. Yeah. And I, I think he just got to the stage where he hated his life. Sure. And, you know, and he decided to do something about his passion. And thank God he did. Yeah, absolutely. And the guys yeah. we've had through the doors. I mean, you know, the pride that you can take in. Real talent that's come through. The, I mean, I th- there was one point in about three-year period. We have, we have, as with the entertainment business, you have awards and blah blah blah. Uh-huh. We we'll do it okay with with journalism and with motorsport. I think two years out of three, we had the young photographer of the year and we had young writer of the year. Mm, yeah, we had the young photographer of the year and the young writer of the year in the same year. And this is me running it from you know a garden office yeah. in Epsom <laughs> up against you know. The Evil Empire down in Miami. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Death Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah. It is extraordinary. And that's yeah. because people do it with passion and goodwill mm-hmm. and good humor. Yeah. Actually, you just identified something because Malcolm, you, me to a lesser extent, we have kind of similar paths in terms of where we were at life. Yeah, yeah. And what brought us back. I've had enough of this sh- Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Malcolm, you, yes. same with me. Uh, I mean, I was very blessed to be working on TV, but I was like, racing's really what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like on the messaging end in the fan interaction and almost like you have to hit a point in your life where if you'd started right <laughs> yeah, out of college yeah, if you yeah. started right out of college yeah. you might not have known like oh it sucks out in the other <laughs> side you know <laughs> it's, I need to go um, and do this otherwise it's a gun crime right yes. and you know what, yeah. well but yeah. you're also at a point in your life where you're like I'm not seeing this thing that I want yeah. I'm going right. to go out and do it yeah, yeah. So, that's exactly know. right that's yeah. exactly precisely right yeah. and with me it was Daily Sports Go was always at the core of it, without a shadow of a doubt, mm-hmm. and that was something I was very proud of being part of the start of, yeah. and you know, helped to drive it in ways different than the way that Malcolm drove it. The enabler for me was actually when it switched and when commentary came into it, mm-hmm. and you know, there's two people to thank for that. One's David Addison in the UK, who was the first person ever to hand me a microphone in a... T- yeah. in, in yeah. a, in a, in a um, With no background, just you were a writer, and they're like, I was well, a writer. let's well, see if you can I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was, um, I don't know which of the circuits it was, I was doing British GT, the best way to get a view most of the press rooms in the UK are terrible you know no view at all so you go to the commentary box yeah, yeah. and on the odd occasion Graham you've just seen that hand you the microphone away you go oh. so the strange thing about that is so you just lingered well yeah but you, it comes back <laughs> yes we hate yeah, that. That. <laughs> we normally hate that guy yeah. so yeah, that's so such a thing it works the, the weird thing about it is is that those first 20 years of career in government yeah you're teaching people how to do live TV and live radio, but without ever having done it. Makes sense. Yeah, that is a great point. But as soon as as I moved out of that... You're prepping so-and-so who's about to go to a press conference. I've had jobs since then that immediately you are that person. But the second person... Margaret, you need to pretend like you're smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Second person, and and oddly enough, not in dissimilar circumstances, was John Hindoff. And it was, I think, 2005. I think it was the second year I'd been to Petit. Mm -hmm. And there was some almighty shunt on the start-finish straight. And the old press room, you did didn't quite have the view and where John was broadcasting from at that point I think was up one floor mm-hmm. and had a view down the straight yeah so I was standing there and if I remember rightly I think Marina Franchitti was in the room as well at the time and there was a big long red flag and he's having to fill and just as part of that filling yeah oh just turn around here's Graham Goodwin from Daily Sports yeah. Car yeah. that was the first time I'd done broadcast yeah, uh, yeah. it was 2005 yeah, yeah. and that then grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and you know uh, did more and more with uh, with John and with Radio Show Limited mm-hmm. and then other things came along uh, uh, in parallel to that and then in 18 here in fact after yeah. the race at Marsh- the Valley Cafe yeah <laughs> <laughs> Marshall Pruitt uh, basically said you want to do this podcast thing and, yeah, yeah, and away yeah. we go and it 
It's my happy place, is yeah. the honest answer. Right, right. As you'll have gathered over the last however many hours this has now been, oh, I like... Been yeah, it's yeah. been 10 minutes. All that MC has gone. But because, it, because it's the passion, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's not difficult to find strands to talk about, which is why, I guess, you know, doing what we do over the length of time we do it, because commentating on endurance racing... <laughs> It's a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got yeah. to, you, you can't come in just with some notes because no. you're going to end up saying the same thing five or six or seven times. You've got to walk into that paddock and you've got to know somebody, more yeah. or less every team. Yeah, yeah. Or you're not doing 100%. the job properly. Did you see yourself being a broadcaster when you got this going? No. Yeah. No. I mean, it was... Like, was this ever an aspiration? No, no. Yeah. I mean, the, the honest thing, I was a consumer of it, really. Right, right, right. So, you know, I was busy enough doing what I was doing. Bear in mind... Everything, every time I was traveling, it was fairly pressured in terms of time because I was balancing a day job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't in the position, I, I couldn't have done this. Once. I've been here for a week now in Daytona, yeah. um, covering the Raw and having a couple of days afterwards to catch up with meetings yeah, yeah. and do these things like this before yeah. we get to race. High profile media. No events. chance I'd have been able to do that. You're, you're getting there as late as you possibly can, getting out there as soon as you possibly can to save days in the day job. Whereas now, this is the day job. So all of a sudden, that did open up the opportunities to do some more of that. And that was that was the point at which the decision was made to to make the shift. It was the opportunity to do um, the WEC for a full season, I think, from 2013. I remember at that point, the conscious decision was taken. What's my route out of here? And the route out there was um, the London 2012 Olympics. Uh, so my team, well, my team were running the kind of transport side of that. So I worked at the time for the National Rail Company in the UK. Um, so my deal was I will work every single hour. You want me to work, I'll sleep in the office. I don't care. I don't want a dime. I want all the time off. And that gave me enough to do 2013 full season with one exception. I didn't do Brazil. It's the, until the ACR had the genius idea of putting a clash between their own races. Uh, <laughs> and that was the only one. Sports car racing? Still had to get it in. Yeah. I, what yeah. I like is you can't tell a story without one little... No, still sports well, car. There's so many. I know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm so very proud of it. For, for many years, that was the only WC race I'd ever missed. Um, <laughs> and I'd missed the Cota race, which was a replacement for Interlagos, I think, actually. Uh, anyway, so um, that gave me the opportunity in 2013 to do the full season. And at the end of 2013, I walked away from the day job and... The, the pressure on that front are gone and it makes life so much easier because they, they, there's better opportunities to come from it but no, no I'd never seen myself as a broadcaster um, far from perfect mm-hmm. I don't think there is a perfect broadcaster uh, as I say, Jeremy Shaw How Jeremy's good. great Calvin Fish both just love yeah. that guy yeah you know it's a short but it's yeah. a joy to be able to do it yeah. uh, I mean yeah. the, it's, it's it's a bit like the podcast with Marshall it's fairly effort-free that, you know, you pick yeah, up a microphone. Yeah, we don't try it all on ours. <laughs> <laughs> I, just heard, I just heard effort-free, and I was yeah, like, like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's that. But it's that. It's, it's being able to talk with somebody and an audience that are sharing that passion. And I, I love it more than words can say. I genuinely, it is one of those things that was a surprise to me when it came up that I enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope I'm getting better at it every year, not worse. I would say, I don't know if this is ever relayed to you, but we're not fans. I mean, we're fans, obviously, but like we're insiders like you are. It comes across that you love it. I do love it. Like it, love It's it. very obvious, I think, to a listener that you are like, this is my favorite thing, which I think is amazing. What, what, I, f- what I found a surprise was there was there's a single transferable skill set from what I've always done. Yeah. And I can remember 
Another one of those, those little sound bites. Um, my leaving due from um, government and the transport correspondent, the Times, lovely guy, uh, came along and he said a, a word or two. And what he said was, Graham has this unique talent amongst all of you that if I've got something wrong, um, he'll call up and I will feel genuinely bad about it because he's, ah, he's managed. He's what that. he's managed to do yeah. is to cut through the, the mess with the judicious use of fact. And it's that... There's <laughs> <laughs> no place here, sir. Yeah, but, yeah but it's, it's, rid of that. It is that yeah. thing about the, the, the joy that I think a lot of people in my trade <coughs> miss yeah. and forget is the joy of being able to actually inform people. It's, no, it's not like that. <laughs> it's <laughs> like this. <laughs> it's not about the Instagram post of yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it is that thing Don't around. ever get in the car with us because you're too pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he's, we'll like, he's like, I completely agree with you, but I'm not miserable. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to take the joy. Like, you do, I think two days in the car, we'll take this right oh, out. Yeah, we can we 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 identify yeah. with way too many can, things. Can, yeah. we, do, can yeah. we do it in Europe? I have a bit of a reputation sure. on uh, road, tri- road trips. It'll be fun. Yeah. We're going to talk to you offline about that. But anyway, go on. But it's... It, it is that thing around there is something joyful when someone has gone down the road of assuming something is red when it's actually blue and actually not just telling them that because you can tell them that and they can tell you to get stuffed but proving to them that it's that and it's that no it's not like that it's like this and this is why it's like that and if it, it's it's there's a much maligned phrase that people soundbite a soundbite is a malign phrase nowadays. There's nothing wrong with a soundbite. A soundbite is just trying to explain something in a very concise way. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that effectively, that's a marvellous thing. That's a really yeah. excellent thing. And, and uh, through my whole life, that has been part of the job. It's trying to get people to understand something that, you know, you're not going to maybe get them to love it, but to understand it uh, somewhere. I remember a beloved boss of mine who's been very ill with COVID and mercifully has come out mm. the other side, saying to me, um, one of the jobs I did, I, I ran the press office for London's Transportation mm-hmm. Department, which is where, where Ryan said earlier, that was where I was when London bombings. London bombings, yeah. 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 Um, and, and by the way, that was probably the incident that got me to the stage where I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, so sure. Enough times. I can't imagine. Uh, but he yeah. said to me, he said, look, you're not going to get people to love transportation in London. However, <laughs> you're not, despite the fact it is marvellous. We're telling you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, but what you can do is to try to influence a pub conversation, a bar conversation. Oh, sure. Yeah. And what you, what you want is, you know, someone, because people, people Have never tell you what a great the journey they've had into work that day. <laughs> right, right. But they'll show you the bus was but fantastic. But they're sure, sure yeah. as hell tell you if it was crap. Uh, yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> it's that, that balancing comment that someone says, oh, you know, blah, 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 and they, they're mayor's done this and the buses were that and the mm-hmm. all you want is for someone to turn around and say yeah but but oyster card the smart card is fantastic yeah you're looking for someone to give you a bit of balance to it so you've got some space to talk and my job was actually to explain some of the less sexy parts of that mm-hmm. it's, I remember the being less in, sexy parts of, tra- of public transportation <laughs> <laughs> believe me the sexy parts are non-sexy so okay. one, of the, one of the things I was asked to do was to try to find ways of uh, explaining to people how important the bus network was. Okay? Now, <laughs> public transportation... This just turned into a John Oliver segment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what just <laughs> happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to give you an idea, we're talking, talking 7,000 buses on 1,000 bus routes. Mm-hmm. Um, about 50% of which run 24 hours a day. 
So the, the soundbite I came up with... You're hitting my it's, buttons. Because it's true, <laughs> is everybody sees London Underground as being this massively busy ant's nest thing, mm. okay? And then on top of that, you've got the entire UK rail network, which is pretty high intensity. Right. So far more than most other countries. Exactly. Plus Hogwarts. Plus Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. And they've got a bus as well. Yeah. But So the, the soundbite <laughs> came back that was... Well, imagine all of that. You've got um, everybody on the London Underground and everybody on the, the National Rail Network. If you put both those together, it still isn't as many people as the buses carry every day. It's that. It's that huge number, billions of, of journeys. And it was trying to get people to just not love it, but understand it, understand the complexity of it, understand mm-hmm. that it's not as simple as... And by the way, in a world where everybody wants immediate access to the bus service, but no one wants a bus stop outside the house or the bus garage at the end of their road. Yeah, right. So yeah. All that as well. Yeah, I want a bus So, oddly enough, with, with a world full of really dull subjects, dealing with dull subjects was never dull. It just never you, was. Well, it sounds like you were able to make it that way. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, And then, uh, not to get into too heavy of a subject, but like when... Obviously, the bombing was a, was a pretty uh, significant yeah. event. What part of it was to turn off the tragedy itself or the aftermath politically? Um, people forget there were actually two, yeah. uh, in fact, three events. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was the um, 7-7, the, 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 uh, the underground bombs and the Genesis bus bombing. In your department, so to speak. I was, was, I, that was For clarity, yeah. uh, that morning within... 40 minutes of the bombs going off I was in the tunnel with that train Jeez. That's, I was there handling yeah. the media Abs- yeah, I yeah. Was, I was, my job at that point is to contact and what the, year is this? this was 2005 five. Yeah. 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 The, my job at that point is to contact the senior um, in this case a fire officer uh-huh. and to get his orders as to what needed to be done and that, that was a rapid fire on um, the information side uh, basically yeah. we yeah. need communication how to handle right. this, like yeah. what can Remember we say what shouldn't the, we say the cell phones went down in London that day yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 right. because it was rapid but, but I mean, we mm. then heard the bus bomb go off oh god uh, which was not that hell. far away Jesus yeah. Christ so, um, so my job was to grab a police officer go to the nearest large office building have that clearly evacuated yeah. and then take over their communications network that's what we did and huh. you know, you're then into triaging patients and keeping a cordon up and then but then beyond that critically important was making sure that accurate information got back to the people handling the incident because the communications were down so that was my job there and then later in that day um later that morning was not just Edgeware road which is where i was but then going to try to get to one of my colleagues had been sent to one of the other bombings that was out of contact and he'd managed to get you have a buddy system he'd managed to get to the tube station um, and my route to the tube station was via the square where the bus was. Um, and uh, he couldn't get out, and we couldn't get help in. So uh, that day was pretty much a horror show. I didn't go home for six days. I slept on a couch in the office for six days. In that building that you basically took over? No, no, this was okay, like back, a, back to your place. place. Yeah, copy. But then what people forget is that uh, two weeks later, there was another attempt. Uh-huh. And it was just that the idiots that did it didn't build the bombs correctly. They did go off, but they didn't. The detonators went off, not the. So it was again, it was a bomb bus and three tubes. And everybody forgets about that. And then in the middle of that, of course, the poor Brazilian guy who was misidentified and was shot. And, you know, at that point, we genuinely thought that was an imminent chemical attack. We genuinely did. And. Do you just get to the stage where when you've dealt with that kind of stuff for as long as I've been dealing with it, which, you know, that was an, an extension of what I'd already done in government, I'd had enough, you know, and it, that did, that did, you know, that did get in the head. And to answer the question, 
Um, I remember the moment for me was the second attack, and it was the phone ringing and our fantastic guys in our instant control room. And it was the one time in my life I can remember listening to that phone call and thinking, this isn't over. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember having to just take a moment and then go, right, phone's down, everybody, and away we go again. And um, it was, yeah, um, okay. extraordinary. I mean, th- to give you an idea of scale, we had 450 um, bomb alerts on the tube in a week following that. 450. Yeah. And bear in mind for part of that week... Because of heightened sensitivity or just absolutely. pranksters? Or okay. Ab- uh, just all sorts. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's... it's it, and, it, and it's... You know, I I am proud of the job that we did. I'm yeah. intensely proud of the job that we did. Um, and I'm equally proud of the work that we did in the aftermath of that to make sure that if it happened again, we'd do a better job. And I'm very proud to have been part of that as well. Sure. And we're, we're better equipped. That's and better. Real, those are real things that you have. Yeah, it is. It's the greater de- good of humanity. And to yeah. De- yes, yeah. and to a degree... That's why when you feel as if you've got a contribution to make in terms of any situation, it does give you that, that feeling that I've shown my ability to deal with that, I've shown my ability to respond to that and to respond constructively to that. And you can come up with ideas and a strategy that are resilient to other people interfering with it. And that's why it's irritating when people don't listen. <laughs> 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 Understood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we do a pass along question. Okay. On the show last night we had dinner with a young Oliver Jarvis. Excellent. Very very nice guy. We'd never met him before and he was fantastic. You've done met Ollie? I know. I've just seen yeah. him around. Ollie's great. Yeah. No. But yeah, he was he was excellent. Um, he would like to know who your least favorite journalist in the paddock is. Yeah, I think he knows who my least favorite. Do you think so? Do you yes. think it was a loaded question? I think it huh. might be. Huh. Um, and we can bleep for you. Yeah. Uh, well, I, no, no. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to say it's it's not. <laughs> it's a difference between. Personality and output, and I have, I don't have a very good professional relationship with. Mr. I just don't like the style of his journalism, okay. and mm. I don't like the way that he deals with uh, the paddock as an asset. Mm. I don't like that. I think that's disrespectful. He knows that I think that. Uh, we've agreed to differ on this matter, and we don't have a particularly constructive individual relationship. So tonight we are having dinner with a, uh, I believe you pronounce it, uh, it's Andy Preox. Prelux. Prelux. Andy Preo for dinner tonight is yep. French driver. Yeah. Preo. Yeah. Andy Preo. Uh, Comes it, from the same island my father came from. Okay. Ooh. My dad right. was a Guernsey man. Okay. Okay. Yep. If Guernsey. you could ever ask a question of Andy Preo that maybe we could hide behind. Any, mm. uh, any thoughts? The question is this. What makes you so much better than other racing drivers that you've got the Queen to give you an honour and the others didn't? Steal my oh. question. Steal my question. The MBE. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, that's like that's reserved for like F1 world champions oh, and yeah. stuff like that. It's, it's like highly unusual. The Turing yeah. Car yeah. Well, he, obviously, yeah. he's a multiple world champion. Yeah. Right. right. But, right. It's, but it's still, Turing. it's highly unusual. He's a lovely, lovely man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew exactly what I was doing. That was a genius yeah. moment. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's the one. That's the okay. one. Yeah, it's, Corbett, uh, yeah. it's that. We, 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 we do a lot of video work as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the questions I got the other day was like, would you guys do a documentary on somebody like with a second chance? And obviously in sports car racing, you know everybody. Is there anybody that if we were going to do like a documentary? Needs a second chance? Yeah, or like a redemption story. Who would you say was I th- best I think, choice? you know, it's pretty it, – look – we talked earlier in the interview that you know lockdown and mm-hmm. COVID has been a tough time. Yeah, 
and it's shown some people, I think, in a pretty bad light. Yeah. I think, you know, one guy that's come up this pretty badly um, for reasons that you and I both know and, and aren't right. really for broadcast, right, but right. unpleasant, you know, I think borderline illegal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and certainly socially unacceptable. And, and most states, I think. <laughs> but I think the, 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 the answer is that it's about time we gave... Dan Cameron, other go. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think he served his time. Yeah, he's on his way back. In some out. ways, yeah. quite literally. Wow, okay. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's public knowledge, but um, I don't even know it's true. But uh, but I think he served his metaphoric time. And maybe it's time now that he was allowed back into the sunlight. Yeah, fair. Sorry, Dane. Sorry, Dane. Sorry, Dane. What is the wo- Wooden Spoon Award? <laughs> <laughs> the Wooden Spoon. The Wooden Spoon is called Torquilt. Talkyld? Talkyld. Okay. Talkyld is um, uh, a wooden spoon we got from a buffet in Barcelona. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and it's you stole from a buffet in Barcelona. Well, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> it's free. It's free. The yeah. buffet was free. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be presumed the cutlery was free. <laughs> okay. um, so Talkyld is, is named after Talkyld Tyring, a Danish racer. Um, Naturally. Who was famous in our world for often expanding upon the truth. So the the, the, uh, uh, the, the wooden okay. spoon mm-hmm. travelled with us mm-hmm. for many years okay. and was, was handed like a baton of honour okay. Okay. to the person who'd made the biggest cock-up of that racing weekend. Famously, I got it often. Yeah. Um, okay. Famously, my business partner, Dave Lord, yeah. has never won it. Damn him. Wow, in, in so many years. Well, he's, so yeah. it's for the, it's for not that he's not paid badly or done things for he's bad. Tried. It's, it's tried. just that, it's just that somebody's always done it. You know, <laughs> it's things like, uh, I remember Regis Lefebure yeah. uh, got it. It might have been the source. Time. <laughs> might have been the source. Yeah. Uh, and got it one year for turning up at Scrutineering, having completely forgotten all of his cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Why show up? For the purpose of the recording, if you're not familiar with the, uh, the IMSA and uh, worldwide uh, media glitterati, Regis is, of course, a photographer. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's one of our favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the little orange legend, as we call him. But uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the wooden spoon. So the wooden spoon travels with us. So within the general media community, who no, 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 f- or specific oh, to no, your so group? Specifically, well, okay. if, if Regis is on the, on the yeah, trip, on the it's going to be Regis. Okay, yeah, there's yeah. no doubt about that, it's going to be Regis. Uh, it's usually a photographer. Okay. If it, uh, it, it, it Quite often, you know, I'm carrying the spoon, therefore, but but it's often has been me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, because I'm the guy that generally tends to do the organising for the trip, and so you're gonna anything, make anything, anything goes wrong, it's yeah. going to be it's my fault. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 So that, that's the wooden spoon. Okay. Okay. Um, what does the route master bus mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so the route master bus. Oh, this is a button. Jesus. <laughs> um, is older than I am. Yes. So this is uh, for anybody that knows. The iconic London sites, the Black Cab and the London Bus. Yeah. Routemaster Bus is the the last version of the open back bus. Okay. And uh, when I was at the Transport for London, the Transportation Department, part of the the uh, my duties were to manage the exit of that thing, uh-huh. this icon of yeah. British style and tradition. Oh, like, from, the, from, like from it was being phased out. It was retiring. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. these yeah. things were, you know, they it's were like very very old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, it's one of two news stories I've ever dealt with. Where where I did receive what were described by the investigating authorities as credible death threats. <laughs> so, um, for 
retiring this beloved bus. For being the guy on TV talking about why we're doing it. Um, we also had... Can you print those and frame them? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I want there is, that. There's a sports yeah. car story about this. Yes. Yeah. In, in, um, for the final day... It was Millbrook, right? We, we did Millbrook. Yeah. And so we took, we took uh, some modern buses and the very last route master, which I'm very proud to say I've driven, fabulous thing she is. Uh, and we had uh, Guy Smith. Right. Right. Uh, for BBC television turned up in his Bentley overalls yeah. and speed tested the London bus speed, uh, speed tested 38 yeah. miles an hour 38, 38 solid, miles an yeah. hour yeah. Yeah. a thoroughly good time but yeah. uh, it, did, it's did Keanu Reeves drive it so you took this thing <laughs> you did a press event at the Millbrook Proving yep. Grounds where they film like Casino Royale they did. and it's yep. like they do rally testing yep. and stuff there well, we, in fact oddly enough yeah um, what happened? We were, we were on the mountain course <laughs> where that, that famous scene from Casino Royale with the DB9 yeah, um, yeah. Uh, flipping was filmed. And I'm standing with a film crew on the, the rear deck of this thing crawling up the hill at yeah. 20 miles an hour. Yeah. And the Mitsubishi World Rally team was yeah. shaking down and nearly took us out. And we came around a blind corner. <laughs> they took about, us out. About, well, I say they took us out. I yeah, don't right. think no, you were in well. the way. I don't think that they're going to come off well. But um, I, I, you know, I, I could probably have put my foot on the bonnet as it passed. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was that very, close. It was yeah. really close. Yeah. Different anonymous source. Yep. Uh, beer juggling at Le Mans? <laughs> this is... Um, <laughs> Beer juggling um, comes from the the family we spend Le Mans with and have done ever since I've been okay, there. Okay, so you stay at somebody's house. We do. Uh, 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 it's something uh, I explained to PFE on the ACO. Mm-hmm. He looked at me like I was... He, he asked me which hotel I go to I was staying at. I said, well, we don't stay in a hotel. You surely do know that almost all the international media have their own French family, as they do. And um, we've stayed in the same place since 2000... Oh, since before, yeah. before I was going. And uh, we've been there since it was the guy who now owns it. Grandmother owned the house. And then he moved in. He then built us a little chalet in the in the um, in the garden. So he's turned it into a thing that now. Oh, absolutely. Le Mans. They, they, yeah, yeah. He and his wife uh, have got a kid that it we've seen. It sounds like the Sebring of oh, like international yeah. motorsport. Yeah. Yeah. It is very much like that. Very much like that. And you know we've watched his kid grow up, and that's been fantastic. But the beer juggling thing is, the chalet <laughs> has got a raised threshold mm-hmm. and in the early days of the development let's call it like of this facility building yeah. a deck instead of putting decking down there were effectively these kind of floor tiles which you'd reckon something like you'd have in a uh, garage yeah you know, right. the, the interlocking yeah. floor tiles yeah like kiwi tile but yeah. you haven't really leveled the floor nice, nice. so <laughs> Le Mans for anybody that's worked that race would know it is murderously hard work it's yeah. very long days quite often really hot and the guys were processing photographs inside the uh, chalet. I'm outside writing. Ask them if they want a beer. Yes, they do. Go and get a couple of beers from the fridge. Mm-hmm. Take the tops off. Walk into the um, uh, into the chalet. As as I put one foot in front of the oh other, boy. one foot goes underneath the tile, <laughs> and I fall straight forward, <laughs> com- comedy like, <laughs> lucky not to break both my legs on the threshold. Yeah, okay. yeah. land full on my face. And don't spill a drop. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. That's yes. bitch, okay. Yeah, okay. Like a professional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Luckily, no film exists. And yet you uh, didn't go to college. Yeah. No, I didn't <laughs> go to college. Yeah. Yeah. Just natural talent. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's not learned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> cars? Yeah, well, so speaking of um, clumsiness. And crashing. Uh, yeah. W- it seems like you've gone through a few rental cars. No. Bullshit. 
Uh, Texas on. rental cars. Bumping the Audi loan car at the Lamar car oh, I did do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did do that. This, uh-huh. was after, this was after dinner with Martin Pass from uh, Audi and David Ingram from Audi UK. Mm-hmm. Beloved man. Mm-hmm. And uh, bought us a lovely dinner uh, in the square where we used to have scrutineering. Went downstairs to the uh, car park into a Audi Q7 car, which he'd loaned us, which I then backed into a concrete post. That is completely <laughs> true. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, uh, that's so that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's the other? What's the other? What ab- no, there's more than two. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. What about trying to park the loaner caddy Escalade in Austin? I couldn't get it parked, and uh-huh. that thing, that thing was com- so. Carl Chura uh, yeah. was behind loaning that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, the, the, the bit that I remember from that car Thank was going out to dinner. This was, I think, a World Challenge race at Austin. Mm-hmm. A very late call to come and do some stuff for Nissan at the time, and. Um, <coughs> we went to some pizza joint, which I've been to before. Fantastic place. With uh, Regis, the little Kyle. genius. Mm-hmm. Carl was there. Yeah. I think Rick Dole was with us as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. And Love it went Rick dark Dole. while we are there. And we walk out, and the car's parked down a road. Yeah. Down there. Pitch black. No street lighting, nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, okay, well, the easy way to do this is just hit the button. Yeah. And the thing, you know, you'll see the lights. Uh-huh. This thing was like the Starship Enterprise. I've never seen this. I, honestly, <laughs> you know, I've been to World Expos. I've never seen so much lighting. Yeah. It was so fun. I mean, even I mean, you know, even the PR guy was laughing at the sight of this thing. Yeah. I don't remember the parking thing. There was something about South, South Congress. I, that's all I have is ask about the parking. Yeah. But it's just un, uh, unfeasibly massive. This thing. <laughs> you're in Austin in an Escalade. You should yeah. be. That's yeah, how, that is how in. we do this you're country, sir. Yeah. 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 I mean, Did you feel free? <laughs> Felt ridiculous. So something smaller than an Escalade, yeah, yeah. Uh, a KTM. Yeah, did did, did ding that. Uh-huh. Oh, weird how he was like, yeah, what? No, I haven't done either. No problem. Still to this day, don't understand why and I did was, it. This was in Austria. It was in Austria, uh-huh. coming down from filming with okay. Johnny Palmer yeah. in the, in the yeah. passenger seat and following the oh, photo God, car. Poor kid. So we we weren't going quickly. We were coming <laughs> behind a Skoda. Um, photo chase car. Kids, a Skoda is a car over in... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, for, yeah. for, for US uh, listeners, uh, the Skoda is part of the VAG group and it's a mm-hmm. Czech company. Yeah, right. And they're actually really good cars so now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Based yeah. on a yeah. VW Golf, this thing they're was, was quick. But we were, you know, coming down for a coffee and uh-huh. I came around a corner thinking I hit a curb. <laughs> um, front wheel went up in the air. Yeah. And it landed on the rear wheel and punched through the wheel. Nice. Yeah, that's solid. They were they were great about it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, amazing car. If you're ever in Austria, buy a KTM. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, nice nice pitch. Uh, <laughs> is that was that part of the settlement? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did something during the pandemic that I thought was very very classy, very kind hearted. You allowed people to post their resumes from the sport on Daily Sports Car. Yeah. Um, Tough times, people it are was, out of work. It was, it was yeah. really tough. Yeah. And, uh, so the context for this was two things. One is, I remember it well. There was a there was a afternoon we had a week. Uh-huh. All we were posting was this is cancelled, this is gone, yeah. this broken. Yeah, through, just da, da, da. like bad news, bad news. And it was. Yeah. I remember going up and having a conversation with Trudy and with and then on the phone with Stephen Kilby, saying we can't carry on doing this. Yeah. This is not good. This is. I can feel it dragging me down. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. and I'm not immediately directly impacted by all of this. And it was also at the same time. You probably remember, Ryan. It was um, the, the Australian Grand Prix. That's right. Where they all turned up. Yeah. And they didn't get to race. Yeah. Now, now think about this for a minute. A lot, a, a lot of people in motorsport are freelance. Yeah, right. But did they get the fares back? Did they get the hotel sure. get the cost back? Sure. So you immediately know 
one, there's not going to be racing for quite a while, mm -hmm. and two, there's going to be a lot of people in trouble. And so we decided to do two things. One was we shifted away from news to features immediately because uh -huh. the only news was bad news. Yeah, right. So we'd wrap it up every day or two days to say, this is now cancelled because that's all the news there was. Right, right. And then we started out doing a range of uh, feature material just to try to lighten things up. Mm -hmm. Not just for readers, but for ourselves as well. Yeah. But you're right. We, we then put this thing out to say, look, if you've got a skill set, if you're not going racing, mm -hmm. anything else you're doing, just send us some details and we will put those up. And I think we, we ran... 80 or 90 those. Wow, that's awesome. And yeah, yeah. I know that some people got some business and some people that's got some, some casual work of it. Yeah. But if nothing else, and, and, and by the way, the other thing we did was to try to reach out to some of our journalistic colleagues to say, let's work together through this. Because mm -hmm. if we don't, we're not going to be there when we come out of this. Yes. Because we didn't know that stage for that was going to be three weeks or six months. Yeah. Um, and I still think that's the right way to do it, which is it's too small a business to spend your time kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah. And yeah. there's enough... <laughs> Let's cut back to an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's to, it, th th there's enough now, and there will be more to yeah. come, yeah. to allow people to be in their own space and to do things well rather than just kicking their own arse and everybody else's, mm -hmm. trying to scramble for, you know, frankly, what's not a great deal of income at the moment. Yeah. So the sensible thing to do at the moment is everybody just needs to be looking out for everybody else. Right, yeah. right. I doubt there's... I doubt there's 5% of the people in the paddock at the Rolex this, this year that you'd rather weren't there. Sure. Even people you don't like. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay? even your enemies it's the same whatever. with me. It's, uh, I don't want anybody to have their passion, their business fail because of something that's completely out of their control. Yes. So it's just the right thing. I mean, the right mm -hmm. thing to do is just to, is to do what, you know, we should be doing. Pick up the phone, make sure people are okay. I did yeah. a lot of that through lockdown, a yeah. lot of that through lockdown. And people did it for me. Mm -hmm. uh, why do you get us? <laughs> we we are both critical about things yeah. on this show and also on our social media stuff. And, and I have been for years on social media prior to DWR. And you've never changed your attitude or demeanor with me at all. No. And other journalists have. Are they? <laughs> you Here's the thing. Right, first things first, it's an awesome product. I will tell you right now, and I will say it out loud, and please put this into the edit. I think your Level 5 special is the best racing Thank podcast you. ever Thank made. You. That, that means a lot. And I'll give you a story about that. So yeah. I've been going on to the guys about it uh, for quite a while, and they've not heard it. And uh, the time finally came up when I remembered to download it into the car. Yeah. And we played it coming off the ferry on the way to Le Mans. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I'm finally going to play this. Oh, no, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. bloody photographers, you know. <laughs> the uh, worst. And it finished. And how long does that show run? That yeah. one's a short one. That's yeah. like 25 minutes or something. Like oh, no, it's longer no, than No, no, it's long. It's Maybe like 40. I it was 45? Like 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Our normals are an hour and a half. That was a short it one. It yeah. finished. Yeah. And I heard this little voice in the back of the car going, can you play that again? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a massive vote of confidence. Right, yeah. right. And it's just, for me... So the key is Jeff Brown. <laughs> Just have Jeff Brown, Look, and you'll be fine. For, you have for a microphone me, and Jeff Brown. Yeah. The sport is a joyful thing, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. And when we were talking about me coming doing this, you said it's about stories. It is about stories, and to be able to have the trust of people to draw those stories out mm -hmm. and to do it in good humour for people to enjoy that experience, and it's not to be an abusive transaction. Sure, yeah. It's not. Yeah. And it's for me, you're racing guys, and yeah. you know. You're excellent at what you do, Ryan. You're excellent at what you do, Sean. You know, the, the stuff that you were doing 
you know, when actively involved in the IMSA paddock was groundbreaking yeah. and I loved yeah. it and yeah. I still look at some of that stuff yeah. and think, you know. Yeah, you, you yeah. unprompted wrote this very, like when I was kind of done yeah. a couple of years yeah. ago, you unprompted wrote this very nice article that is like, to this day, the only thing like that that exists about me is something I can show to like parents yeah. and stuff. But My parents. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but my parents give a f***. But, uh, <laughs> my mom will be like, tell Sean tell a great Sean job great. the video. And, and he's like, I don't think my parents saw it. And my dad will like have a read receipt that says that he saw the text. <laughs> um, um, that came yeah. from a place of realness. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, like it, like that meant a lot to but, me. It's but, like, you but, didn't have to do that. But, no, of course you don't have to do yeah. it. But the thing you know. is, but that's not a reason not to do it. Sure. It's, yeah. it's sure. That, it is that thing about if someone's done something that's added to your enjoyment of something you're passionate about, it's so nice when people say thank you. Oh, it's so nice yeah. when people oh, stop and say thank you. Yeah, because so you're the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, like, well, but why do I get you? Is the answer is I think there's a kind of common thread in terms of the, oh, the, we just the, discovered sense, it. the sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely. So. Yeah. I like to go around things with a sense of humor. Yeah. I am. Pretty mischievous about yeah. these kind of things. Yeah. I just am. That's yeah. just the way I am. I do tend to, in the British vernacular, take the piss quite a yeah. lot. Yeah. And I expect people to do the same to right. me. Yes. And I take no offence whatsoever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. Yeah. You've got to be light-hearted Please about it. Please don't write Continental. You've got to do it in that kind of vein. And I think, actually, what it, what it helps people to know you and trust you. Sure, yeah. You don't have to yeah. like you. No, for sure you know, not. Yeah. But, you know, if actually you're comfortable in your own skin enough to actually just be a bit self-deprecating, which you both are, <laughs> you know, and if you didn't, let's face it, everybody else would. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, yeah. But yeah I think I, my thing is, like, we're just getting ahead of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it. Like, the wave's you coming. Can't, yeah, yeah, you the can't. <laughs> Tsunami warning. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, we're, we're counter-steering before the slide. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, look, yeah. There's, there's, it, look, in that paddock, there's probably 5,000 people. Yeah. 4,500 of them are taking themselves too seriously. Yeah, 100 yeah. exactly So it's right. time yeah. for the opposition yeah. to kind of have their voice. And, and I think... When you're adding something that's different and pretty unique, and it's, Marsh and I have talked about the uh, the, the, the kind of podcast universe, mm-hmm. if you like, yeah. remotely threatened by the fact that you guys are doing something that's not, you know, uh, you know. But like we're different. Like what you guys do, and what we do, are no, they're yeah. different spaces. Yeah. I don't look yeah. at like, and yeah. also yeah. fans can listen to both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's the thing. Oh, it's never a yeah. choice. It's yeah. a choice, and you it's can the, have chocolate is and then vanilla ice cream <laughs> if you want. And it's, it is. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. It's not like you can only choose one. Why, yeah, why am yeah. I doing it? Because I love doing it. Yeah, why am sure. I listening to it? Because I want to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. And it's yeah. that, ultimately, there is this thing around, um, you know, and it's a, it's a lesson I've got to learn sometimes, which is, you know, if I've got a problem with something, get over yourself. Right. You know, get over yourself. Yeah. Just just move along a little bit. And it is that, that, that thing about the modern world, particularly fueled by social media, which, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is just bloody yeah. awful. Yeah, it's... Um, it's it's the immediacy of comment that is almost unremittingly negative. Yeah, and for me, yeah. just take some joy in it. Come to a race, you know, stand and listen to a car warming yeah. up. What, uh, stand at turn one, you know, go and talk to one of your heroes. Go and talk to someone you've never talked to yeah, before. Yeah. Just, just drink it all in. And the great thing about your show is... It is introducing us to people we didn't know, as sure. well as actually yeah. digging a bit deeper into people we thought we did. That's, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, there are things that I take away from the show every time we do it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I had no idea. And like now yeah. I yeah. hate Oliver Jones. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. Can't stand yeah. 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 yeah, I mean. So next year, you know, one, you know, Dame is in, uh, Dame's in redemption now, yeah. uh, next year. But Jarvis is on his way out. Yeah. <laughs> we did that. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Jarvis out. Yeah, Jarvis out. Hashtag. Uh, but it's, it, it's just keep doing what you're doing yeah. because it's Well, likewise, but I think it's different. For, for Sean and I, we both know uh, certain personalities don't appreciate uh, 
sarcasm, snark, things like that, that but like taking the piss, like you said. And, and That's a choice. Yeah, right, for sure. But I, but these are mostly journalistic types who yeah. I think uh, will be like, this is supposed to be serious. This is yeah. supposed to be professional. Or this is how you're supposed to conduct Yeah, this is supposed to be based on nothing. Yeah. And, uh, but you've always given what? us respect, but also understood like they're, they're, they're having it's a good time. They're being fun. Exactly. Here's the thing. There's room for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs to get over themselves a bit. Including myself. Yeah, like yeah, I can sometimes yeah, take yeah. myself a little yeah. bit too seriously. We, we have reality checks a lot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and then we all got along a bit better, and people do better work in yeah, that way. Yeah. And for, as far as dealing with races is concerned, it's just great that it's become it's become part of the scene, and you're still so doing fun. some of the same stuff, but still trying new stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, the TV show was great. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sat and watched, yeah. I sat and watched one of the TV shows with my wife and daughter, who both enjoyed it. See, that's, oh. that's, our, biggest com- uh, that's our biggest compliment we can get. And yeah. we, we, when we make those, especially, even yeah. these, but especially those, our goal is, is like, will the other person in the room that's not a fan yeah. find something out of this? Well, and when we hear that, that's like, thank that's you. Well, it's, yeah. it's like you said, Sean, earlier. I mean, we're going to get an Emmy. Daytime. But other than that, it's, the Goodwin it's, family is our It's end. storytelling in an amusing way, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And it is. it doesn't work if it's overly serious. There's yeah. times, yeah. When, times when you've got to be serious. And here's the weird thing about that, is if you can carry off being lighthearted, when you change the tone, people take notice. Yeah, that's yeah. Yep. Yep. exactly yep. 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 That's yeah, the yeah. point. And actually, your, your um, lockdown um, show... Oh, thank you. Did yeah, that yeah. well. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it was that yeah. thing about when you look at the real impact it's having on people, and that, that talks to people. And it's. I, I, people should not find being a human being this difficult. <laughs> they just shouldn't. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. they should they should be able to see a perspective other than yeah. their own yeah. more often than they than they do. And you know, sometimes we can all, we can all get ourselves into a bit of a cul-de-sac of, yeah. you know, self-loathing. But the, but the reality. Well, that also can produce that self-loathing can make TV shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's yeah. what fires you. That's what fires our <laughs> drive yeah, yeah, yeah. from LA to yeah, yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> two days. Yeah. Don't you don't you discount self-loathing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, so people clicking on this, uh, obviously. Loyal sports car folks have, have heard your voice, but they may not know your story. What, what's the sort of Graham Goodwin legacy you want to leave on an episode like this? It's 20 years of daily sports car, and it's that 20-year anniversary is coming at, I think, an incredibly exciting time. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm kicking as hard as I am in this business is to be around for what comes next. And I think as we're all coming out of what's been a really, really tough time, take some pleasure in... The kind of stuff that you guys are putting out, the kind of stuff that we're putting out, the kind of stuff that Marshall and I put out, you know, the racing itself. Let's just try and find a moment to store the kind of the bad stuff and the moaning about this and the nitpicking about that and enjoy what's coming next. You might not like BOP, but it's a reality. And I reckon we'll see a year of the racing in that and no one will moan about it at all. I want people to find the love again. Somebody will find a way to come. Yeah, this is so this sweet is sports to car. That. That's adorbs. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, on that note, I'd say Continental's got the check.